Hello and welcome to episode 788 of The Sleeper and the Lust. It is Wednesday, March 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm unemployed. You're unemployed, but that's somewhat of a positive right now because it's break time and you know where your next job is already. This is true. I've so, got a little vacation. Yeah, you're you're comfortably unemployed right now. You're you're transitioning, if you will. And uh, and guess what? We're still talking pictures, and uh, we got plenty plenty to get into. So we're gonna dive right in, and we're gonna start talking about pictures 81 through 100. Now it's starting to get jumbled. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Again, I'm trying to make sure I don't miss anyone in the shuffle as things kind of go around. But what we're going to do is we're going to go 81 through 100, and then each of us picked five going after 100, because this is the final picture spot, uh, final picture uh, pod today. Um, and so, you know, because we're not going to be doing, okay, now at 128 is uh, Jordan Zimmerman. What do you really expect out of Jordan Zimmerman this year? I think I could spot start him for three starts this year against KC. Uh, yeah, so this is it. But uh, I feel like we've gone pretty deep, and I'm excited to even get into to our after 100s but we're going to dive right in from 81 through 85 again these are just split up into fives not the little groupings that we did with the uh, with the positions by the way coming up on positions will be first second catcher and reliever which we will start getting to and you mentioned your unemployment and your break here might be able to start fitting in three maybe even four pods in in a couple of the weeks coming up here as you have more time available to talk baseball so stay tuned for that but uh, let's dive in. 81 through 85. Johnny Cueto, Steven Matz, Michael Pineda, Ross Stripling, Reynaldo Lopez. Let's just start right at the top with Cueto. A one-time stud, absolute monster. Injuries uh, were a part of his profile even in his peak uh, at a point with Cincinnati. I remember he had a couple years, I believe. Mm-hmm. One where he was totally lost, like it was like a 50-inning season. Um, sandwiched in between two big, like 200 plus inning seasons, but then they've really kind of undercut him since he be- he's become a giant. He had the great debut season, and since then it's been 147, 53, and then 16 innings. He returned last year in those 16 innings, didn't do anything particularly special. I'm not really holding them against him, nor would I be over the moon about them if they had been good innings. It was just kind of getting back on the mound after a long time off. Do you see anything left in the tank for a 34-year-old Johnny Cueto pitching half of his games in San Francisco? I do. The question is, is it worth the gamble? Because I don't think we're going to get back to, like, 2016 Cueto. Uh, and if he is really good, then he won't be pitching half of his games in San Francisco. He will be traded to another team. So, That's a fair I, point. That's... Yeah, I mean, if, if he is... well. Maybe, because he costs 22 mil this year and next. Yeah, the Giants he don't might... mind eating money, though. They just ate, like, Zach Cozart's entire I mean, contract. they bought Will Wilson, but that's a little bit different than than $40 million, $44 million. Yeah, I mean, it would be 30 right? Because, uh... Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, they're paying yeah. the 10 for the half this season. Yeah. Depends what you're getting to eat that much. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think they'd have to eat all of it. They'd have to eat mm-hmm. a, a, a portion, and it would depend how good he's he's doing. And what kind let's of return, just, yeah. Let's just assume well, – let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Let's focus on – especially with somebody like Cueto and his health, 
let's just worry about getting through the first two and a half months of the season, mm-hmm. three months. What what would you be expecting there? If you t- if you take that gamble, um, can can you get can you get a mid threes with a good whip? Um, I... Can he get his walk rate back in check? It was bad again. I don't want to go on the 16 innings too much, so I don't even want to say his walk rate was bad last year. That that means nothing to me. He's always been a good walks guy. He's uh, been a mediocre strikeouts guy, and the last time that we saw him for a moderate sample, the 53 innings in 2018, he was down to 6.5, and homers have started to trickle up a little bit, um, even dating back to 2017 when he threw 147 innings. So with Cueto, again, he's not the peak of six. Like you said, or or Cincinnati, Quino. But what what can we realistically get if we get two two and a half months before we worry about any potential trade? I think we're looking at. I think Steamer nails it pretty good. It's a four nineteen ERA, uh, seven to eight strikeouts per inning, uh, and a WHIP that isn't super inimitable. So uh, I just, I mean, I'd love to see him be amazing again. Mm-hmm. I mean, just we're, we're talking about a guy who's now, yeah, he's now 34 and uh, hasn't thrown, you know, like I said, more than 53 innings since 2017. Uh, I'll get a share somewhere because there'll be a draft where he just drops like completely off the map. Uh, and, you know, I'll go, all right, well, I'll pick him up for a few weeks. And if it, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then I'm just on to the next guy. I just don't know that the upside exists where. I really want to take the gamble on him. Yeah, it really does seem like a home streamer at this point. His pick is 276, which, you know, that that is something. You know, mm-hmm. he's going around actually uh, talking about how things have shifted a little bit. Some guys we've already talked about, Yanni Chirinos um, and even Dustin May, <clears throat> he continues to fall as we now make we now know he's going to go down to the minors to start the season. Um, but th- things have shifted around him. I feel like he needs to be like 50 picks cheaper. Cueto does for me mm-hmm. to really feel like, Hey, I would take a shot here. You know, There's I'd rather get my guys. boy Ross Stripling. Who yeah. Is going to throw 12 innings this, you know, I, I would still rather take a shot on Stripling. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's too many guys in this tier in really every tier that we're going to talk about below this, uh, that there's Even at least one pack. guy. Yeah. There's at least one guy that I've got, ranked above them and i mean probably a total of 15 guys ranked above him so i just can't imagine he's going to end up on like i said i'll get one share somewhere where Mm -hmm. i don't know but uh i can't imagine i'm going to end up with more than one share of johnny cueto this year yeah i i have to agree with you on on all of that and i've always been a johnny cueto guy loved him in cincy he was somebody i was always diving in on and and uh getting shares of by the way i'm gonna squinch another guy in here we're gonna go six i did forget somebody as i'm looking at this now i skipped over brendan mckay so we'll talk about him next but yeah i'm with you on cueto i haven't looked at the schedule yet but if if the giants are at home early or if they do have a big um home stand at some point in april where i feel like he can get a couple starts I might look at him as a streamer there, but I'm I'm playing it start to start with him. I'm not even planning for anything beyond that, and uh, we'll see how spring goes. Maybe that could, that could change my tune a little bit, but right now it's more of a wait and see. And there's too many other guys I like. Let's go to Brendan McKay, the youngster for Tampa Bay. Now, 
he's somebody I pushed way down my rankings when I updated them very recently here because we talk about all the stuff that the Dodgers do and Nick calls it uh, Nick Paul calls it Dodgeritis. You know, there, there's Raysitis too. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to get a hold on anything that they're going to do offensively and pitching wise. I think they might have more off uh, offensive uh, Raysitis, and the Dodgers have more pitching Dodgersitis, but or Dodgeritis. But it, it's it, it can be problematic on both ends there with both teams. But um, Brendan McKay doesn't look like he's going to have a spot off the uh, to start the season so he's gonna go down in the minors and be um you know working every fifth day the numbers weren't great last year but it was one of those things where the underlying skills the the core skills were still impressive 26 percent strikeouts seven percent walk but the homers were up the babbit was up gonna be 24 left-hander intriguing i think the hitting stuff isn't really going to be much outside of a uh, pinch hit at bat here and there do you have any expectation for Brendan McKay this year? Is he somebody that you want to stash? Uh, because he's not going to, it doesn't mean like he's going to start the season with the ball club. No, I'm not, I'm not stashing him. I, I likes a lot of the uh, offensive players for the Rays. Uh, I'm, I'm fading a lot of the pitching as well, uh, just because I don't want to deal with the headaches. Uh, of it, and I just don't know that he is. I think at some point he's going to be a pretty good pitcher in fantasy. I just don't think it's this year, and I just yep. can't. I can't stash a guy that I think might get like ninety innings. It might be ninety good innings, but when is it? But you don't even come? know when they're going to come. Yeah, yeah that's, that's they could come thirty, thirty, thirty mm-hmm. spread out across the season. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, unless that, you've that's got minor league slots. It's yeah. just really hard to roster a guy like this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go uh, further here and say uh, not just NFBC where we only have the seven reserves. I'm leery of him in other leagues as well. And you hit on the point unless you have minor league spots. So this is this is an all all leagues thing. AL becomes totally different. I, uh, that let, that's just a standing rule. Anybody with talent in mm-hmm. a uh, in a in a AL NL only that they're they're viable. But talking mixed here. I'm not taking Brendan McKay anywhere except maybe with a minor league spot. And even then, I'd probably stash a hitter first, like Kyle Tucker, yeah, who still might not make the team. Yep. All right, let's move on to Steven Matz for the Mets. Um, there's like a very minor trade rumor uh, regarding him maybe staying in town and, and going over to the Yankees after the injuries that they've dealt with. I mean, <laughs> that would be so Mets in that it would be stupid. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I've got a lot of Mets fan friends and they're seeing the projections that are coming out and, and speaking favorably on them and, and all that. And I say, yeah, I see I see the talent. The thing that none of these projection systems can get is, is the, you know, the Mets going to Mets. And I, I know it's a little trite. and You guys probably get tired of hearing it. And then I see a rumor that you might trade Steven Matz to the Yankees, dude. And it's like, this is what we're talking about. The Mets are going to Mets. They better not do that. That'd be so dumb. They have six guys, okay? That doesn't mean trade. You know, that's like so reactionary. It's like, well, we got six, dude. We got DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Mats, Porcello, Waka. We could definitely trade one. No, relax. You're going to need more than more than six guys throughout the year. Um, Mats is a guy I've always had a soft spot for. I, I've kind of cooled on him a bit this year. And I might end up with one. I still have him in my top 80. Which is which is draftable, especially in fifteen team, but 
I, I've lowered my expectation ceiling quite a bit. The strikeout, the swing strike rate has just not come out, come up at all, despite him looking great at times and really flashing some interesting stuff. And even getting away from the fastball a bit last year for Mats, I thought, okay, well, we'll see a spike. No, we didn't. It's that it's that 21 to 23%, but only a 10% swinging strike rate. And that's only rounding up. He, he's never actually had something that has been 10%. The only way he gets there is 9.8 and 9.6 rounding up in 16 and 19. So Mats really looks like that solid fourth starter in real life, which is like a sixth starter in fantasy. Again, I've lowered my expectations on him because he now has a home run issue each of the last three years. I, I, I will want to keep one toe in. It's one of those guys, like a Jimmy Nelson type. I don't, you know, you, you tell your famed story of how you stuck with him for all this time and you got rid of him. You, you, didn't, you didn't get any, and he, and he went off. I don't want, I don't want to get Nelsoned, but I also don't want to just load up the way I used to in previous. I would get Mats in a lot of spots. So where do you stand on him? Have you been a fan? And if so, are you sticking with him, or or what is your outlook on a 29 year old Steven Mats? Yeah, I've never been a Mats guy. I just don't love the amount of uh, hard contact he gives up. Uh, the Homer problem is has been an issue. I mean, he doesn't walk a ton of guys, or at least I mean he didn't last year. Yeah, that's a positive. Uh, so so it, it helps limit the damage from the home runs. Mm-hmm. But imagine him in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> oh, I, that that's another thing, by the way. Yeah, that that's that's beside the point. But also, it would His be ADP a would shoot the out. hell up and and, and, uh, and yeah and, and hurt him. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, so, you're, you're definitely right there. I just think he's again one of those guys uh, like Cueto, where I could see myself getting a share somewhere. Uh, just in case the breakout does occur. Um, but I think at this point, the breakout is much less likely being almost 29 years old. Uh, mm. And there are too many guys going behind him that I that I really like. So uh, I doubt I will have probably any shares of Stephen Matz this year. Yeah, I feel you. And at some point, we can't get shares of every guy. You know, yeah. like we can't. We can't get one of every guy here to, to protect on the potential breakouts. And if if I don't get any mats this year, it's all right. I'm I might get Nelson, but um I'm not I'm not going to shoehorn it in. If it fits and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll throw him on the roster because it's literally, you know, one of my last few picks, sure. But at ADP, which for Mats is hang on, let me get that. I apologize for not having that off the top. 293 that's fair but i need i need my draft pick to be starting with a 300 with a, with a 3 i should say to take steven mats and i mean this is the point in drafts typically you know i mean we talk about it all the time i'm in way too many leagues every year uh this year is no different uh, <laughs> even though i tried to cut back technically i did cut back but technically um, you did you're under 20 i am under what, 20 but, but it's march I will stay 4th. there you don't no. toot your horn nope I, I, no i'm staying there uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get to 20. Uh, okay, I'm so, daring but... you to stay there. This is an official yeah. dare. <laughs> I'm daring you to stay at 18. So, but that being said, like this, th- th- these are the guys that I'm going to have, like the guys that I'm going to have shares of, I'm going to have lots of shares of. Like when I had Samarja last year, I had 15 shares of Jeff Samarja. Like, yeah, you man. know, I mean, because uh, yeah, I want the guys that I really believe in going late to pay off. So, uh, if I don't believe in a guy, like I don't believe in Steven Matz, I don't believe in Brendan McKay, 
I'm not gonna. It's not that I'm just not gonna have one or two shares. Like I'm not gonna have any shares. It's just it's all or nothing when we start getting that past pick three hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I, I like to I like to not. I don't want to diversify as much. I, maybe that's the right move, but I like to get my guy and get several shares, including some of the guys that we're going to talk about here coming up. I like uh, to not necessarily diversify this. the top. Like I, I, I'll diversify in the first ten to fifteen rounds, uh, because if you don't, then then like especially if you're like me uh, and playing a ton of leagues, when guys do get hurt, it's like oh well, now your entire season is ruined. Like, as opposed exactly. to, oh, just that team is ruined. Yeah, you have nine Chris Sale shares, and you're like, ugh. Yeah, well, my only one is uh, our labor. Yep, that, you know. that's mine, too. Oh, no, I have, uh, I got the one when we drafted in Arizona, so. Mm. Tough start there. I got him at a pretty good discount there, and now it's looking like there was a reason for that. <laughs> there was a lot of fear <laughs> on him, and Luis I was. Castillo. What? I said at least we have Luis Castillo in later. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll 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 be all right. We'll be all right. Don't worry about that. All right, let's move on to Michael Pineda, and I'll just say right off the top that uh, with him serving the suspension, he's out for me in NFBC for the same reasons we're talking about with like Brendan McKay. I'm not drafting guys that I already have to wait on. At least it's not an injury. Same with McKay, so that's a positive for both of them. But still, I'd rather play the Fab game or let somebody else take that chance of rostering them and waiting. And if they have the patience to wait hat tip to them because the, the fact of the matter is is that there's no guarantees with Pineda even when he comes back he can be one mm-hmm. of the most maddening guys in fantasy baseball for crying out loud I mean um plus he punched my dog and that's right which was very rude of him uh, yes. when did you rank him one year like 1412 or something on your starting picture <laughs> when rank? he was going in everybody's top 40 i accidentally ranked him like 121 or something like, like that <laughs> the first i think it was the first comment dude yeah on the on the article was did michael pineda punch justin's dog <laughs> oh man uh, this is a guy that i i long ago was was very much bought in on uh with seattle and then early with new york then he just kept doing the same thing, which is have mm-hmm. a good strikeout walk rate, but give up a bunch of homers. And people kept thinking, hey, he's going to f- figure it out and be a low, th- mid-low threes guy. I'm like, no, he's going to have good stretches that are going to help keep him in the mid fours. But then it's going to be counterbalanced by awful stretches. And that's how he's going to get there. You know, it's going to be eight starts of a 290 and then s- seven starts of a seven. And so it's just like, that's what we're at, and and he should last have been year made into a dynamic reliever, like that. Right? Uh, that's what that's what should have happened at some point. Or maybe they need to just Odorizzi him too, and just say, you know what? Yeah. As the soon as we see trouble, we're pulling you. That might be four innings. You have to get used to that. But we don't want you. It's always that like one last homer in his final inning too. And I mean, and I'm exaggerating there. It's not always that he gives up first inning ones or whatever, but it just seems to be often that it's that one extra at bat or one extra inning that he goes into where he gives up two, three more runs and ruins a a good outing with Pineda. He did have a career career first uh, through the first two innings as a starter at three, six, seven ERA. Like, yeah, they could have just like you know started I mean, pulling him early. Yeah, and, I mean. and then and then you could assume you could make a reasonable assumption that that could get even better if he had mm-hmm. been a reliever because then he'd be 
pump and cheddar, uh, mm-hmm. you know, amping it up a bit. Fifth inning, 443 ERA, 744 OPS, which is not egregious, 744, but it's much higher than the the second, third, and fourth innings. And um, it's just, I think it's going to be more of the same with Pineda when he does come back from the suspension, which if you can stream it right, you could really parlay it into something decent. And he had a 401-116 last year. That's pretty good. But the home run rate was still there. I just, like, that's the upside. Last year was the upside. And so you're just not going to get me sold on it. Like I said, NFBC, I'm not putting a guy who's already guaranteed to be out for a certain amount of time and has injury history of his own. Um, But even in other mixed leagues where I might have a deeper reserve or more flexibility, I'm just not doing it with Michael Pineda. How about you? That was a weird thing that I said. No, I, I'm I'm right in lockstep. Uh, okay. Yeah, I just you, it, it's it's too hard to roster the suspension guys unless like I've played in leagues where suspension guys are allowed to be put on the IL. Yes, in that case, I played in those leagues then, too, yes, which is weird. I, yeah, it, it is weird. I don't think is right. But either. I'll take advantage of it. I mean, if I'm sure. if I'm in the league, I'm going to take advantage of it, even though I disagree with it vehemently. Of course. Uh, but yeah, no, in, uh, in every other format, I'm pretty much staying away. Okay. Well, now we go on to the best pitcher in baseball, Ross Stripling. I will have every share ever best pitcher. Love him. He's so good. Now, um, I moved him down my rankings. I had him really high. I was, a, I, I got really excited in the off season of like, well, this is the year, right? They, they, they don't have, um, you know, Ryu's gone and, um, who else was gone? <laughs> oh, when they uh, traded my eight. Yeah, well, because he was part of that trade. Well, that was even before he was part. You know, it was all happening at one time, and I was like, well, Stripling is now open, but then he got traded, and I'm just like, of course, when I thought he was going to L.A. or uh, to the Angels, I'm like, holy hell, this is the greatest news, and um, it wasn't to be. It, it just wasn't to be, and now he's buried again after – they brought on David Price, Alex Wood. The Alex Wood was really kind of the the, the killer before before the Angels trade. When when they brought in Alex Wood, I was like, oh god, they they just really hate this guy. Oh, Rich Hill was the other one, not Maeda, because Maeda obviously that was that one night. So when when it was Bueller and Kershaw were the were the two stalwarts coming back, Urias, and then I'm like, well, Stripling and somebody else, Gonsolin, whatever, you know. My guy's in. It's it's good to go. Then they brought in Wood, and I'm like, okay, well, that's still – we still got space. And then the David Price trade, and oh, my head is gone. Oh, oh, my God, and now Stripling's going to the Angels. Nope, psych, back in the bullpen. So until he moves, it's hard to really draft him. I'll prob- I will still get some shares, just deep leagues. I've actually already got him in, in a draft and hold because things happen, and he could get traded again um, and actually have it stick. I just love the talent of Stripling. It's just hard to roster him as a middle reliever and anything but like an NL only right now. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I love Ross Stripling, but like draft and hold and uh, and NL only are pretty much the only places you can use him uh, and feel pretty confident you're going to get more than 90 innings. Yeah, uh, and that's that that's a huge bummer. There'll be 90 good innings, I think. Yeah, um, but... and, that, and there'll be a span when somebody goes out. Mm-hmm. And he'll be a waiver pickup of the week, and I'll be yeah. I'll be there ready to go and get my two weeks out of Ross Stripling, and then put him back on the waiver wire in mixed leagues. But my 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 hopes were dashed. I mean, you're talking about a guy 
387 career innings, 351, 120 ERA whip combo with a 24% strikeout and 6% walk. Like, that's a real quality guy. He's going to be 30 this year. I think he could handle. Talk about a guy the Yankees should go and trade for. Now, there you go. And again, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium is, is tough, but I feel like he can handle it. He is a ground ball guy. Uh, his home run suppression has been solid. Not not extraordinary, but solid. I would love that. He doesn't walk yeah. anybody. He can get swings and misses. That'd be great. Uh, I'd like to see a team, if it's not them, just whenever, in, you know, I'm not rooting for injury, but there will be another big injury, if not several, in spring that hurts a contender with their, one of their starters they should go out and get him. You know who should really go get him? The Brewers. Oh, uh, well, you know who should really, really go get him? It's the, the Angels. Dodgers. Oh, no. I don't know. Could they really fit him in, you know? I don't know if they have any interest. Uh, <laughs> in, 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 you know. At the same time, they should trade for Jock Peterson. Well, now you're just talking crazy. I just don't know how that would fit. You yeah. know, like, how, how could that possibly work? And I bet they could get away with only giving up, like, Luis Rivigno or whatever his name is. Rodifo? Whatever. I don't know, dude. I feel like up, dude, yeah. dude. Like, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna bitch about that trade all year, by the way. And, yeah. and, unless Ross Stripling's traded elsewhere, I'm gonna cry about that trade all year. Because <laughs> I still don't understand why they uh backed out of it. It's so dumb. But uh, anyway, we love Ross Stripling, but until he has a more set role, you you just really can't draft him in anything but super deep leagues. But even fifteen team NFBC, I'm not I'm not reserving him right now. I'd reserve this next guy instead, who I also love and I can't quit. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, this year's Lucas Giolito, from worst pitcher to great. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. It's impossible to predict that. Uh, it, no one thought Giolito was going to do that. It'd be interesting if they had two years in a row where they took the literal worst pitcher in baseball. And turned him in. And by worse, I mean by results of a full timer. I mean, Giolito threw a full season in 17 uh, or in 18 and then came back in, in 19 and was great. Last year, 184 innings for Reynaldo Lopez. He gave up a MLB worst 110 earned runs. So I think you can capably call him the worst pitcher in baseball from that standpoint with a 538 ERA and a 146 whip. He, he even in even in that awful season where he led baseball in earned runs, not something you want to lead in. He showed flashes again, like that. Like his July was good, and even even though no other month was below five uh, ERA, even two three starts here and there within several different months, you'd see it and you'd be like, "Well, this is it." The problem is when it's off. He's so bad; it's unbelievable. And I'm not going to overstock on him. Like I, I, I'm not kidding. I'm not going to quit uh, Reynaldo Lopez fully, but I'm not going to overstock on him. There's talent here. I just, I'm not sure the prescription to fix him though. Uh, for, as an outsider looking in, have you, have you done any deep dive on Reylo to, and and have any ideas of what could really change things for him? Because he doesn't have like a super egregious walk rate. Um, last year was the first time that his home run rate was really outsized. He didn't have a crazy BABIP. Like he was just pretty consistently bad outside of a few pockets here and there. And I think it's just an execution stamp. I say just when execution is the most important thing, but I think it's execution. He has the stuff and ability, but Reynaldo Lopez doesn't consistently execute. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I still stand by what I said back in 2016 when I watched him live for, I think it was his Major League debut in San Francisco, uh, but it, or it may have just been one of his early uh, outings. I go, this guy is going to be a really good reliever one day. You, you know? put everyone in the bullpen, though. Yeah. He, you want, he, you want he, Brian uh, Kenny's game. You just want pitchers, no starters. <laughs> no, really. You just want pitchers. It was it was the second outing ever uh, because his first outing in 2016 was home against the Dodgers. Second was at San Francisco, and you saw him throw four innings mm-hmm. and pitched brilliantly for the first two. Actually, the the first three were really strong. Uh, a couple walks. And he was impressive. Then, yeah, but then he, but then he sputtered in the fourth, and you, that's probably where you were like, well, he ran out of gas. I can't wait to watch him relieve. And mm. I think this is kind. Even though he's still pretty young. Uh, I think this is what age twenty five season, or age twenty six. Twenty six. He's got four hundred sixty four innings, which is not massive. I do think this is a pivotal season, though. It's a fork in the road. If he can't do it as a starter, it's bullpen time. And then I do think he could really turn into something. And guys like this, like Reynaldo Lopez, really show how much easier relieving is. Because they can flip that switch and become mega studs, and you're like, oh dang! And it's like, yeah, that that's that's how different it is, starting versus relieving. I remember when Zach Britton uh, transitioned into the bullpen, and he was he was an abysmal starter. He didn't get nearly as much uh, time as a starter as as Raylo, but he had a 4.77 ERA and a 1.52 WHIP. Uh, 5.9 strikeouts, 3.9 walks. It was, it was, it was painful. You could see the stuff had the nasty movement, but he couldn't command it to save his life. Goes into the bullpen in 2014. That first year, boom, 165 ERA, 0.90 WHIP, and that was still figuring things out. He wasn't getting strikeouts yet. He was just super difficult to hit in those short stints. But it happened at age 26, and it happened on a dime. And I do think Raylo would be somebody like that because he could pare down. Um, and go with, I mean, he's he's 95.5 right now as a starter. I, mm-hmm. I bet he would average 97 as and a— And I like the curve. Yeah, yep. I, mean, I, I like the curveball, though I wish he would maybe throw it a bit more because I think he only yep. threw it about 8% of the time last year. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't think the change-up's very good. I don't think the slider's no. very good. Well. Uh, I think you could. I think you could make the slider a bit better as a reliever and go with mm-hmm. the two breakers and just make them a yeah. little. You know, make sure they're 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 different because the slider's been good before. It was bad last year, but in eighteen it showed a lot of flashes. So I think two breakers with big heat, and here we go. Um, but I'm still holding out hope that that some things click. We talked last episode about like Michael and Geo. Uh, mentoring some of the young guys. Maybe they get in his ear or Giolito himself. You know, you, you don't have to be an elder statesman to to help somebody. Maybe he's got some wisdom to impart to Raylo and help him out and figure some things out. Because there, there, there's a, a tool set here of talent, but currently mm-hmm. it's not working. So bottom line, do you draft him in 15-team mixers? Reynaldo Lopez. No. Do no, you I draft think he's him? a draft and hold or AL only kind of okay. guy. Okay, that was my next I, I took him in AFL, and I think that'll probably be my only share. Okay, but so you're in just in case, which mm-hmm. is I, – I, he's definitely a just-in-case guy for me. I've been with him for so long. I guess I don't want to overstate it. He's only pitched for two – 
two plus years. Uh, well, four seasons, but I wasn't in on in sixteen, and he only threw forty seven and two thirds and seventeen. So really, eighteen and nineteen, I've been in. Um, but I've I've absorbed a lot of bad innings. So I, he owes me, as Chris <laughs> List likes to say when he gets burnt by a guy. No, no, I'm going to double down. You know, most guys run away. No, no. He doubles down and says, you owe me. So I'm getting you back. That's how I feel about Raylo. He owes me. So um, I'll make sure I get at least a couple token shares. I, think, I, I mean, he's one of those guys that you'll be able to just drop once, you know, exactly. that comes up uh, or or they, you know, he just gets to be the point where he's so bad that they just can't do it anymore. But I mean, as much as I think people and maybe the White Sox are included on this list, I think the White Sox are going to, you know, try to compete. Uh, uh, early on uh, in this season, ultimately this is the warm up for 2021. Like I think 2021 yep. is when they're really going to go for it, and so this is this is the make or break season for Ronaldo Lopez. The, yeah, they they could jump this year, but that you're right. This is kind of the ramp. They want to just put, get the green arrow going the right way this year with expectations starting to brew. But next year is 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 the jump off. Mm-hmm. Okay, 86 to 90. Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, Dakota Hudson, Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Eovaldi. Um, I think I say this about every group, so I might as well just stay consistent. Pretty interesting group here. <laughs> so generic. What, I'm such a basic bitch. But it, it is. It, 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 a little bit of an eclectic group here and some some Spore and Mason favorites for sure. Okay. Uh, let's start with Kevin Gossman. He's a giant now. I will say, when y'all first signed him, I was like, I'm going to get shares because he's y'all's next closer. They're going to put him in the rotation. I don't hate that. I, I love the park so much that mm-hmm. it, it's enough to keep me interested. Like, I'm interested in Drew Smiley, to be honest. I almost put him as one of my five <laughs> after 100 because the park don't is Don't do so that good. to yourself. I know. I know. I, di- I didn't. I didn't. Spoiler alert. I didn't put him there. But um, Gossman, when he went to the bullpen with, um, with Cincy last year. Really got going. Your Giants want to take a shot on him as a starter here. But I think it's something where, okay, if it doesn't click and and he's really getting beat up early, then they transition him back into the bullpen. And he could close because what do they got going right now? Tony Watson and Sean Anderson. So I think this is almost like a a bargain, bargain bin Carlos Martinez where you're just drafting the talent and whichever role – could pay off whether it's getting some saves or quality starts. So where do you stand on Gossman right now? And do you believe he can stick as a starter? And what would you prefer since you're a Giants fan? What would you prefer to see happen? I think he can, and I think he will stick as a starter. Uh, And as a Giants fan, uh, yeah, I think I'd rather see him as a starter because he offers more complete value to the team, especially as a trade piece. Uh, I mean, I, I know his <laughs> the ERA and the results were not good uh, when he uh, when he was starting uh, last year. Uh, I mean, I think he his ERA as a starter was like six something. Um, yeah. That being said, like the strikeout rate did go up, and it went up even more when he when he started re, uh, relieving. But I think the the home run rate is obviously going to be protected a hell of a lot more. At Oracle yes. Park, as opposed to Camden, uh, Camden Yards, uh, being in the National League uh, is definitely going to help getting to face the pitcher, as opposed to having to face a, a DH. And I still believe in the talent. And maybe this is 
Uh, I mean, like you said, th- this is a group, and this is the guy that is like the Justin Mason guy. I mean, I'm pretty sure the first time you and I, I ever podcasted together, you were a guest on Friends of Fantasy Benefits, uh, and all we did the entire episode was argue about who loved Kevin Gosman more. Who, yeah, who loved him more? Yeah, yeah. it was a battle of like, no, no, I love him more. We argued about Bryce Harper, which we were mm-hmm. different on, and then we tried to stake our claim as to who loved um, – who loved Gosman more? Yeah. And um, I think we we have joint custody, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're we're in. So we're gonna take some shots here again. Th- and this is why, uh, you know, with the last group where we say, you know, we like to get a token share, but I'm gonna get Gosman over pretty much all those guys uh, in the in the previous yeah. group, just because he's starting. And I, I I don't know. I think there's a brighter path for him right now. So I like Gosman. I will take a shot on him, even in the 15-team mixed. Uh, maybe uh, – never mind. I probably don't have to. I was going to say maybe 12-team mixed, but you really don't have to. But watch No, this. no. He's a reserve pick and a 15-teamer. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, you're watching him in shallower formats. I mean, what, what are we really hoping for? Like a low fours ERA and like a 23 24% strikeout rate? Like I think that's um, what – I'm thinking 238 ERA, 0.96 whip, and like 12 strikeouts per nine. I can't wait for your bold predictions article this year. <laughs> I'll get more bold than that. That's that's my that's my floor, dude. That's yeah. Oh, okay. Floor. That that seems about right. God. Actually, God. you know, we uh, we brought this up. Uh, I mentioned it with Cueto. Let's let's go ahead and look at the Giants' schedule real quick. Let's see like when they hit that first homestand because that's when you would want to plan to to stream those guys. And then if they click, you can kind of keep them from that point. So let me go to the first half here. And your beloved team starts out on the road at we the Angel do. at the um at the Dodgers and mm-hmm. Diamondbacks. So you guys are gonna be 06 off the rip. And then you host but both not of those bad, teams. Not seven. bad places to pitch either, though. So we're talking That's about true. Chavez, Ravine, and then we're talking about Chase with the Humidor. Uh, Difficult lineups, then, but yeah, good parks. And then we but you then face both of those teams. And then we're home versus home. Oh wait, no, wait, no, I'm looking. No, you're home versus the same two teams, right? Oh after yeah. That. And then we go so, to Petco. Yeah, your your first uh, what thirteen. 14, 15, 16. Your first 16 games for the Giants are in the division. Mm-hmm. So you'll be two and 14 and really, really staring down the <laughs> staring down the barrel of a tough but season. But if Gosman gets both those wins, it's all worth it. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So we're in on Gosman. Let's go to Alex Wood, staying in that division, by the way. And, you know, fuck Alex Wood. Go find another team, dude. Stop ruining Ross Stripling's life. I'm super bitter toward him simply because of that. Woods, that guy, though, um, is he just like the next Rich Hill? Yeah, obviously, he's like 42 years younger, but he's that guy, uh, or, or maybe even like uh, Ryu. You know, they have kind of all age ranges from Wood to Ryu to Hill of the lefty who is oft injured, but pretty much always good when they pitch. The only time mm-hmm. Wood hasn't been good was last year. His seven, inning, uh, his seven starts, uh, 35 and two-thirds, were trash, but... Even with those fi- that 580 ERA uh, added on, he still has a 340 career with a 122 whip. So he's pretty much always good when he pitches. It's just a matter of when's he going to pitch. 78 innings, 172, 190, 60, 152, 152, 36. 
So it's it's up and down. Can we get can we get another buck fifty? He's done that at least four. He's, he's done at least one fifty four times. Can Alex Wood at age twenty nine give us a buck fifty this year as a dog? And just he's he he's been a sneaky wins guy before too, and multiple times even with those shorter uh, samples. Remember when he went sixteen and three in twenty seventeen mm-hmm. uh, with the Dodgers? That was the sixth season. But can we get a bunch of can we get a yeah, can, can, can he be that guy again where he gets 150 and it's like 25, 26 starts, but he still somehow wins like 13? I mean, I, I'm not going to hold you on the wins, but, but what, do you, what do you think is no, the projection? No, I don't think so. I think I wouldn't project him for more than like 110 innings. Okay, so you're, you're, you're coming way down. Yeah, I mean, coming you're off with the, the You're intrigue. with the projections, by the way. They're, they're around 106 okay. to 109. Uh, uh, Zips is even at 99. Oh, and ATC is in ninety one. Um, oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I would feel really, uh, really scared to project him for anything more than that. One, we talked about the the Dodgers rotation depth and how quickly they could move on from him. Uh, so they have Ross Stripling just waiting in the wing. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And, and they've got this prospect uh, May, I think. Oh, oh, I've not yeah. heard of him. Not heard um, of him. And obviously, uh, Alex Wood is the easy guy to just take right out of the rotation. Well, yeah, yeah, especially if, like, May is going off. If Mm -hmm. he's just, like, too good. Because here's another thing, too. They only have one lefty in the bullpen, Adam Kalarik. So Mm -hmm. it would – and Wood has very capably thrown out of the bullpen in his career. In fact, the projections that we just read off, a lot of them include a lot of bullpen time for him. So – that would fit, especially if he's not doing that well. If he's been, if he's solid, but unspectacular, say like a 4.20 ERA and and a 1.26 WHIP or something, which you know, perfectly capable for a fourth fifth starter. But then May is just decimating AAA. Yeah, they're gonna make that move. You know, I would think, so yeah. uh, I think that's fair. What you're saying is to not go too high on the innings projection and take anything beyond 110 as a bonus. Um, so then it comes back to our, our question that we've been asking a lot here. What, what league formats are you drafting Alex Wood? Or if you're even doing it at all. NL only, I think is the only spot. Okay. So you're not even taking him in the, in the mixers. Is it, the innings are obviously a, a, a big part, but is it similar to some of the other guys we've been talking about where it's like, you just like other guys way more? I think that's part of it, but also I think the lack of innings, uh, potential really just caps his value. I mean, he could be okay. great for those 90 to 120 innings, but I just don't know that he can be that great. That Like, we're not talking like he could – he he, you know, I mean, obviously I want to just take guys that I think have tremendous upside, uh, and mm-hmm. I just don't know that Wood has that anymore. And I could be wrong. I mean, he's shown it, and it wasn't that long ago, as you said. It's like, I mean, we're, we're what, two years removed from – him being just fantastic in 150. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just don't. You know, it's back just so issue, hard to trust just, the hell. Yeah. Yep. It's just multiple injuries, multiple times with Alex yeah. Wood. He's a guy I lose on, like in terms of I let other people get him. And so mm-hmm. when he does do well, I tip my cap and I say, okay, you took the gamble. You stuck with him. 
and and you get the benefit. So so good on you. I will I'm say not, he not was sitting ninety two, ninety three, uh, the other Don't day. Try to entice me, you and son. that's that's where he was in in two thousand sixteen when he had the big year. Yep. So uh, seventeen. 17 yeah he started the season he's actually like 92 to 94 and it's been a long time since i've done one of these references uh i will point out that i remember that vividly because they made a player of the month mlb the show card for him that was a really sick card that year so it's been it's been a while since i've referenced something fantasy wise because i remembered it from mlb the show so i had to get that in there for him i think it was his may was just stupid good. But anyway, that's Alex Wood of the Dodgers. Let's move on to Dakota Hudson, a standout player last year. You know, we talk about Cardinals devil magic, and it goes to a random, like, mid-20s hitter who comes out of nowhere. And they had one last year. It was definitely Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. But there was a little sprinkle on on Dakota Hudson there because he maintained a 335 ERA and snagged 16 dubs despite a 141 whip and very unimpressive strikeout and walk numbers in his mm-hmm. 174 and two-thirds. He's definitely one of those guys that when you watch him, you understand why there's some success that doesn't quite show up in his metrics. At the same time, I'm I'm so afraid of the Like, I, I can't bet on this. I, I trust the ERA indicators a lot more than that 335 ERA because here's the thing. Even if the strikeout and walk weren't very good, but maybe the hit suppression was better, almost like um, a higher walk Dallas Keuchel or something. I might be in on it from that standpoint. But the 141 whip, like, I basically need those wins to get two categories out of this guy. Otherwise, you're just desperately hoping that the ERA does something or else you're getting nothing. So I I don't know, man. I, I can't really get excited about Dakota Hudson. How do you feel about him after the breakout year last year? (laughs) <laughs> um last year there were uh oh I, uh last year let's see i i gotta i've gotta find the exact number there were 61 qualified starters last year okay where do you think he finished in k uh minus walk rate oh my god 61 qualified starters i'm gonna say 56 there he finished Oh my That's, God! Who who was worse? Oh, I'm trying to think. Who was worse? Who was worse? Who was worse? Reynaldo Lopez. No, Reynaldo Lopez strikes out too many guys. You you you'll kick yourself when you hear it. It's I mean it's it's obvious. Get, get, give me a give me a division, not a team, a division. Uh, AL West. Marco Gonzalez. No. Uh, Brett Anderson. Oh yeah yeah. Who actually pitched a lot of innings last year? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're all qualified, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Didn't he kind of Dakota Hudson it himself? Didn't he have a decent ERA? Or am I tripping? Yeah, 389. Yeah, but a, but a high whip, 131. So, oh, my God, he struck out 90 and walked 49. Brett Anderson did. Wow. But, hey, <laughs> he got the job done for a while. Yeah, so Dakota Hudson, it's just a profile that I just I, – I don't really trust it. And, again, when you watch yeah. him – you. You you can see why there's success. Like I'm not saying he's talentless. That's not it at all. But it's it's that fantasy versus real life split. And for fantasy, I just can't trust it because the outcome, the range of outcomes is vast. 
this could go really south and he could have like a 475 ERA with a 150 whip as their fifth starter. And they're still trotting him out there because that's not the end of the world for a fifth starter or they don't have anybody else that they really want to go to. Meanwhile, he's pummeling your ratios every fifth day in fantasy. So I'm just, I'm not drafting him anywhere. Not even in L only. Yeah, I just, I, I can't. I mean, his, his FIP uh, and XFIP and Sierra all markedly higher. He's the anti uh, uh, or the reverse of uh, Mitch Keller. Where like yep. Mitch Keller had like the awful surface stats, and then like, but like you look underneath, you're like, oh, that, this this should be a lot better this year. He's the exact opposite. Yep, totally agree. So we're not we're not taking any Dakota Hudson shares. All right, next up is somebody I am interested in though, and that's Jordan Montgomery. I think we talked about him a little bit at least when the uh, when discussing the Severino news with him being out. This opens a path for Montgomery at least in the short term. To kind of start the season but again we're in the range of pitcher right now where you really shouldn't be planning more than three to five weeks at a time anyway mm-hmm. um you know you're, you're just trying to to go almost start to start even and so hey maybe he parlays this um and when paxton comes back you know he takes loisiga's spot and then even when domingo herman comes back from suspension it's an open question or somebody else, you know, so Montgomery could play himself into a long-term role, but again, I'm only concerned in the short term and I like him. I will say it's been a long while now since we've seen him be good back in his rookie year of 2017. Since then he's thrown just 31 innings in the majors, uh, including four last year in, in a couple of uh, a spot start in a, and a relief appearance, obviously both of which were short because he only totaled four innings. He had 27 in the third or in early 18 before his Tommy John. So we've really only seen the 155 and a third of 2017. That was good for Jordan Montgomery, but he is an intriguing lefty um, who, who can miss some bats too. I think that coming off of that rookie season, I was like, there's some strikeout upside here. He's got the three pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup. All three are, are certainly workable. Um, 12% swinging strike rate on a 22% strikeout rate. Again, that suggests just doing the, the rough two to two and a half of your swinging strikeout rate or swinging strike rate is what your strikeout rate could be. And so he could, he could bump it up a little bit. I, I think Jordan Montgomery is a good reserve pick quality Yankee. The only thing is I worry about the Yankee tax. If he has one of a solid spring and starts to get some buzz again, then I feel like his price could really go up from where it's at right now, which is uh, he's at 316 right now. Anything that starts with a three for Jordan Montgomery, I'm paying it. But if he starts inching up toward like 250 with my guy Aaron Savali, um, Anthony Descofani, Sandy Alcantara, that's when I would start to move out. But as it stands right now, I'm in on Jordan Montgomery. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, as a short-term guy, uh, I think I wouldn't mind like grabbing him late in the reserves. Uh, the only thing is I just, I mean, the innings question is huge for him. I mean, he's thrown a total of 31 and a third, uh, the last two years. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. it. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, unless you want to include what, uh, <laughs> another the three and two thirds yeah. Yeah, in the minor leagues. So like I can't imagine they're going to push him super hard, though they may have to push him a little bit. And, I mean, all the rave right now uh, kind of uh, overshadowing the fact that 
he did have a really good outing, uh, I believe, uh, a few days ago. Uh, and it, it is first outing in, in spring training. In fact, Clark Schmidt is like taking everybody by surprise and like people are getting really excited about uh, about him. So I think that he's going to start the year in the road. He's going to start the year in the rotation. I just don't know how long it'll be for. Um, but I think they start off against the Orioles. So like that's not a bad start. Um, though he may not be, he might not. Yeah. He only two games against the Orioles uh, and then two games against the Rays or three games against the Rays. So he may pull the Rays card, which uh, isn't great. You know what? If I'm the Yankees, wouldn't it be smarter? I mean, you, you do have to do the massaging of like egos and stuff, but you know, maybe you tell you spin it to half of like, Hey man, we're going to get Montgomery at the game three of this Orioles series here because it's three at Baltimore and then three at Tampa Bay. We we need you against Tampa Bay. We want you in that opener against them because we like our chances, you know, better with you kind of deal. Uh, if 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 he was even showing any sort of like, uh, you know, huffiness about not being in the opening series, I don't know how much it, it's player to player about how much they mm-hmm. care about that. But if I'm the if I'm the Yankees, I think that'd be a smarter move. Because uh, when Hap's on, he can beat any team. Ease Jordan Montgomery back into things against the Orioles. Eh, maybe they could do that. But uh, after that, so they go at Orioles, at Rays, home Toronto, home Orioles. So let's just say he starts the fourth game, Jordan Montgomery. So four. So he starts there, and then one, two, three, four, Toronto, one, two, three, four, Baltimore. So you go at Tampa Bay, home to Toronto, which is not easy. But then home to Baltimore, so I don't know if I love it. I just it's tough. It's I don't tough. think I'm gonna have any shares of him. I I just don't see the the long term upside, and I don't know that the short term upside is worth it. Well, uh, wait, why why don't you see the long term upside? What what because there's you know, no long term with the guy. I mean, I think a 2021 Jordan Montgomery is going to be very interesting. But a 2020, like, how many innings can we project? I just don't see. He's past the injury nexus, though. They're beyond protecting that. And I'm not sure that they have the luxury to either with the injuries that they've already been dealt. You know, Paxton will come back. In fact, he's actually working back relatively quickly. Um, And then, of course, Herman working his way back from this. Or not working his way, but he has serving his suspension for being a piece of shit. And then he'll be back. Um, And then he's out of a rotation spot, right? I mean. Maybe though. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think that that's a guarantee. Like Domingo Herman does down? not. Uh, well, I don't think Domingo Herman is is a like locked down. You are guaranteed back in here. He survived. Like he was good in nineteen. I'm not going to pretend that he wasn't good now because of his legal trouble makes me you know dislike him as a person. But the four hundred three RA and the one fifteen WHIP, good. But he did that by surviving a 1-9 homer per nine after a 1-6 the year before, meaning this is on a wire for him, I think. So I don't think he's a guarantee to, like, just come back in. Like, this this 143 innings, basically, he has the same thing Jordan Montgomery does. One good season of about 25 starts. His happens to be more recent, though. Right? Yeah. Otherwise, aren't they kind of the... the like what's what's really the difference between those two? No, I, I think that's a fair point. And that's but what I'm, I'm saying. If yeah. Montgomery pitches well enough in that interim time, could he not feasibly get himself into the rotation? 
I understand if you like other guys and that you want to spend your lottery tickets on elsewhere, but I, I, I disagree with the idea that there's no upside. I think there's real upside and there's even long-term potential. Those are my main points. Yeah, I just I disagree. I just don't know what what how long they can really. I mean, I guess you're right. I guess he's at an age where, and they're in a situation where if they need to push him, they're just gonna push him and yeah, healthy. Unless unless he gets hurt again, you can't baby him. You can't baby Jordan Montgomery. Like that doesn't do anything at age 27. I believe the injury nexus where they're most susceptible ends around 25. Um, And so not that you can't get hurt after that. It's that the development of the arm and everything is such that you don't have to be overly cautious and say, well, only because you pitched this low total this year, you can't ramp back up. There are guys who come off of injury and go right into the 160 plus the next year. Once they're past, you know, their mid twenties. So, but again, I would also say, don't let that be the only reason you don't want him because we're only focused on the three to four week range right now with the potential mm-hmm. for more. So that's where I'm at with him. I don't want to belabor it and go in circles here. I like him a bit more th- or a lot more than you. Yeah. Uh, I say keep Jordan Montgomery on your watch list. Get him in as a reserve in, in deeper leagues. Uh, Justin says, no stats. Okay. Nathan Ivaldi, I'm back in, baby. Mm-hmm. Me too. He was looking good as hell the other day, and I Cannot quit this MF. Um, and I, you know what? I simply don't desire to quit him. <laughs> Five innings, eight strikeouts so far. Again, I'm not just going off of spring. Uh, I really liked him going into last year, and it was a disastrous year that that was injury riddled. He only threw 67 and two-thirds. And they, they was, it was bad when he was pitching a 2.1 homer, 9, uh, 9.6 hits. ERA was 6. 599, 158 whip. It, w- it was brutal. It was brutal. But it's an injury washout. The thing of it is, though, for being fully honest, he has one good season, and it was 111 innings of 2018. Everything else has been laden with mediocrity because even his other good ERA all the way back in 2013 for Eovaldi with the 339 came with a 132 whip and no strikeouts. So he only he's teased and tantalized us for years now you know we're going on almost a decade of getting uh teased by this guy you understand that right yeah um but i'm back in again the price is right why not yeah that's exactly right like there's no like last year when we when we got burned it was uh, it was hard because the price was yeah we paid we paid quite a bit for him uh but this year we don't have to pay that uh and he did look good uh, <laughs> so far as in spring, uh, yeah, I mean, there's very little price attached right now. And so, uh, definitely a guy that I- I'm not going to get oversaturated in shares, but I-, I definitely want a few shares just to be, uh, you know, there in the chance that things do come back together. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously what killed him last year was, uh, the walks and the home run rate, uh, two things that, you know, I mean, when he was going good, it was uh, those were things that he was able to keep under control, and so far in spring he's done that as well. So, I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna buy back in in a few leagues and just hope for the best. Yeah, I'm gonna have more than the token share of Nathan mm-hmm. Ivaldi. I will I will get multiples. The league depths that I play will make it as such that uh, that mm-hmm. it makes sense to take that shot. And you know I'm giving him a pass for last year as an injury washout, and I can cut bait 
a lot easier this year. And I, I should have cut bait earlier last year and, and just understood the sunk cost, sunken cost fallacy, but I'm an idiot. So, you know, <laughs> I like to hold out hope. And I was like, no, no, he's, he's going to be all right. Um, no, he's not. He, he was not all right. But thankfully, if we're being honest, we really only got – I know for me – uh, we really didn't take on everything last year because he had a six ERA through four starts. Evaldi did, and then didn't pitch again until July twenty second. So in most of the leagues, yeah, you probably gone. cut him at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you could overcome twenty one innings of a six ERA. It, it was bad. It was a hit early in the season, but it certainly wasn't something that like cr- crushed our seasons. Uh, even with the big pick that we paid relative to what we're going to pay this year, which is round three eighteen. I think even if this spring continues. I can't really see Eovaldi going much higher than that number I mentioned earlier, which is around 250. And again, that's that's Dylan Cease, Chris Archer, John Gray, Aaron Savali, Descofani, Alcantara territory, which he would fit into. A healthy Eovaldi fits into that category, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're, so we're comfortable paying even the the accelerated price as long as it doesn't get too wild. All right, and since we added um, Brendan McKay, we're on actually now 92 to 96 is that right 92 93 94 95 96 yep 92 96 josh lindblom cole hamels jose quintana jeff samarja rick porcello the veterans committee here mm-hmm. josh lindblom returning from the kbo where he went and beasted um you know getting the obvious the obvious comp is that the miles michaelis that's what you're kind of hoping for something like that because of what he was able to do when he went over to the kbo and came back and dominated um but he, I mean, Limbaugh was excellent over there. What he, what he developed was a lot of spin on his fastball, which he doesn't throw super hard, but he got a lot of spin. And, um, oh, God, what was the secondary pitch? That, I'm an idiot, dude. I just got done mentioning that I'm an idiot. So nobody should be surprised. Do you remember what, what secondary he developed? I'm looking it up. No, mostly because find. I'm ignoring everything on him. I just, I do not Why? want, I'm just not going to take the shot. Uh, I mean, you look at the projection systems on him. Oh, and... the projection systems mean nothing. They they they're yeah. meaningless when it comes to this, unless they're factoring in the KBO on some level, at least as a minor I'm league equivalent. Assuming they are, uh, I wouldn't assume that. I don't think all of them are. I think they are because they're they're giving them credit for increased strikeout rate. Okay. So I would and 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 a pretty decent walk rate. I just. I'm so worried about him pitching in Miller Park. That's just, uh, I just, yeah, I don't. I mean, Miller Park is, is tough, but. Uh, yeah. I don't I'm know. Not, I'm just not going to. Splitter. I knew it. I should have went with my gut. Sorry. It was a splitter for Lindblom that he's also got. I don't know, man. I think you're, I think you're going to miss out. Um, I'm okay I think missing there could be some... uh, and I, I hope he is great. Like, I hope he. Because like, I think the Brewers are a fun team, and I want to see them good, and they definitely need that piece in the rotation. That's true. Uh, I just don't they're, – they're like, again, again, there's going to be this situation where um, though we're starting to run out of guys that I like um, because we're getting deeper and deeper. There's still a bunch of guys I like more, uh, and I just don't know what to expect. We've seen guys like Michaelis come over and be great, and then we've seen the exact opposite uh, – and I'm just, yeah, I'm just not willing to do it. So, um, yeah, but that's no different than somebody who was already here, like Nathan Eovaldi, um, or 
you know, Michael Pineda, right. Johnny Cueto, Reynaldo. Like, I he's in that group. Because we've been able to see them with our own eyes. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure I probably could go find some tape on Josh uh, Lindblom from, from Japan. Was he in Japan? No, he was in, he was in Korea. Korea. Right? Um, I'm sure I probably could if I, if I really wanted to you know, kind of look into a 33-year-old uh, coming back from a, from another league. I just, uh, at least we could see kind of what went wrong with guys like Uvalde and Pineda and, and things like that. Uh, the the not having eyes on him myself and, um, you know, maybe I need to just sit down and watch some of the spring work that he's done uh, and, and, ho- and kind of, re- and really kind of assess it for myself uh, but I, I honestly I haven't and I haven't thought about really investing time and effort into it. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm, right. I'm going to be lazy on this one. Uh, so, sounds like it. Sounds like it could be your loss here. I, I'm going to take some shots. I, I'm actually pretty intrigued by by this return here. I like the two factors working in his favor. Again, a lot a lot more spin on his fastball, which is not overly fast. It, it kind of works 90 to 93. Um, and then the splitter, which has, has become a big weapon. That, that's what was highlighted when he came back. And we've seen these guys come back. You know, certain guys go overseas, come back, and be something. And we've also seen imports directly from that, you know, that played their careers in Asia come over and do well. We've seen them fail, too. Yusei Kikuchi was a total flop. Um, so, you know, they're, they're not, like, guaranteed. But, of course, if they were guaranteed, they would cost a lot more. I think the price is right. I'm interested. And... Uh, I'm going to jump in and and in the leagues where I'm not going to draft him, which is, you know, I'm a 15 team mixers where I'm drafting Josh Lindblom or NL only. I don't have any NL only's this year, but uh, definitely definite watch list for me in 12 teamers. Cause if he's good early, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm, I'm not wasting any time by the way. I'm, I'm going right off the rip to try to get, uh, to try to get that share of Josh Lindblom. But uh, you're going to sit on the sidelines on this one and, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Speaking of sitting on the sidelines, transition folks we should, we should name this tier sitting on the sidelines because i'm gonna <laughs> sit on the sidelines a lot in this tier you know this was a guy i was ready i would have been hyping of course we'd have talked mm-hmm. about him a long time ago if he wasn't hurt but it's cole hamels um but a shoulder issue has yeah. now put him in doubt he still hasn't been cleared to throw uh it's not good it's not good news there's no timetable so i'm out fully right now i'm not even you know i'm not even even with IL spots, I'm not even really jumping yeah. in on him. Like maybe if he plummeted uh, off of his current ADP, which is 325, which is not expensive, but I need even a further discount because I would, I'd rather take another older lefty in in Jose Quintana. Like I, why not just take him instead, mm-hmm. or um, or some of the younger guys like a like a Corbin Burns or, or there, uh, my. They were worried enough about this injury. That they went out and got Felix yep. Hernandez Felix, and Josh dude. Tomlin, um, yep. Yep. And, and in spite of the fact that they've got a crap ton of arms at yeah, like the, the they're young bucks. level, yeah. that like I mean they have too many arms at the AAA level. You know, I mean they they've got enough for almost like two full rotations according to roster resource. Well, so and they, yeah, and they still would rather have some veteran stability. Yeah, it's a bummer though too because I was excited. He pitched Cole Hamels pitched so well before his injury last year, came back and struggled. But I'm like, okay, an offseason to heal, command and control of a solid fastball and an elite changeup that ages really well. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen it age well. But now now there's some trouble, and now I'm nervous. 
And so I'm laying off. And like, you know, 10 team mixers, he probably won't be drafted in a lot of them. So you can you can wait and see what happens when he comes back. A 12 team, he'll probably be reserved because of name value and 15 team. He definitely will be in, in a lot of those. I just think you and I are going to peace out on this. I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to take him. He'll be um, available on the wire in a lot of leagues. And if he, yeah, if 10, he comes back and some into, 12s and, and, some and a lot 15s, of 12s, I think they're going to be uh, in 15 team leagues where, like, especially NFPC, where people just go, nope. Maybe. Well, okay. I'll tell you what. Main events don't start for a while. If he's still in this same situation, I will agree with you. If he's progressing his way back, then I think he'll, even if he's not, Pitching in spring games. As of two days ago, uh, the Braves yeah, said no he's got table. no timetable. No, I know, I, mean, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm saying though, we're still a couple weeks away from main event season. Depending on where the news is, there, I think name value will still get him taken in in a lot of those 15 teamers. He'll be available in a lot of 10 and 12 teamers for sure. Um, I mean, look, the I, sample I, that I we're would looking bet at that he's not drafted. Uh, in at least a third to a half of, of main event leagues. Um, just because, one, main event players are typically fairly sharp. Very few people are in there just wasting their money. Uh, We're looking at a sample of 17 drafts right now of this ADP, and he was drafted in 12 of them, and this, these are 12-teamers. Well, that's stupid. I mean, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Again, the factors that would make you correct in this one would be if we are at the same point do, do we know how many of those online championships were uh draft or Cole Amel shares were, were drafted by Colin Weatherwax <laughs> he was in all 17 of the leagues let's be clear about that mm-hmm. so you, you ask a fair question that's him sure. him and him draft cheat and Vlad Sedler all like in every single online championship for for the rest of time like correct just yeah. Just, just unbelievable. Look, I, I'm not sitting here saying to go out and draft him. I'm saying the market is going to draft him more than you're thinking because of name value. It it will depend on the news in two weeks. Yeah, it will depend on the news in two weeks. If it if it hasn't moved an inch, probably going to be drafted less. Yeah, but if if it's starting to say, oh, the throwing program is going to be here, here, and there. I think I think it starts to move the needle a little bit. I'm bummed though. I, I wanted a healthy Hamels to come into the season. I was going to draft him a bunch of spots, take my discount because he is 36, and we we know about ageism. Um, you know, in fantasy baseball, once you get to your mid 30s, people start, especially those that had him last year that got that the crummy part when he returned from injury. You know that that would have made him a nice price, but now it's like just. Wait and see, and don't and mm-hmm. may, maybe maybe watch list them if anything. All right. Speaking of, uh, I mentioned Jose Quintana, uh, another veteran lefty that I'd rather just take uh, than wait on Hamels. In in most leagues, again, even leagues with an IL, you're still taking you're still taking a draft, even though you can IL Hamels and get somebody else. You, it's a lesser player than you could if you just drafted somebody else. So when when we say free, we throw that out a lot. It's not that that that's not quite correct. I think I think we as a community, not just you and I, but as a fantasy community, we say that a little bit too much. There is the opportunity cost of taking that player, even if you can move him off to a IL spot, uh, of not being able to get some of the others. But 
Um, and that's why even with ILs, I'd rather pass on Hamels and even just take Quintana if I was going to stick with a crusty lefty, if not go for somebody much younger. But Quintana had some real periods of, of quality last year, but then had some real down periods. And the, the bottom line was a pretty bland season with a 468 ERA and a 139 whip, 152 strikeouts and 171 innings. I just wonder, can he can he get back to what he was, you know, just a few years ago? Like, we're not that far. I mean, even, even 2018, 403, I guess a 132 whip. The whip's been high the last two years. That's been the tough part. But before that, he was a great ratios guy. And I'm just wondering, can at age 31, which is younger than I thought, I would have if you'd asked me, I would have bet 33, 34. So I guess I shouldn't call him crusty at age 31. Sorry, Jose. Um, but can he get back to pre, pre-19 level? Let's look at 16 through 18. He had a 377 and a 123. Can he get back to that level? If you that, That's what his 16 through 18 is if you add it all up. Can Jose Quintana get back there? I don't think so. He's just in kind of... God, I almost said old age. He's 31. I wow. know. I know. That's, that's what I, I was I, just I, saying. I, like, I slandered him. He was just so hittable last year. Like, it, like you talked about his whip. Like, his walk rate wasn't bad. No, like, it was good. Is was, was the best walk rate he's had since 2000, since he was on the White Sox. Um, it, he's, ju- he's just too hittable. And his pitches, especially the curveball, has just never gotten back to where it was uh, when he was uh, in Chicago. Or, well, in Chicago. <laughs> God, I hate these <laughs> guys that go to the same city <laughs> um, uh, since he was a White Sox. Um, and I just don't see anything in the profile necessarily that gives me any confidence that we're going to go back to the Quintana of old. I hope we do because when he is going – uh, and going well, he is a very, very fun pitcher to watch. Um, I just don't, I, I don't I see it. it. It's not flash, like he doesn't overpower, but he works. Uh, you know, he works the corners. Mm-hmm. He challenges guys. He and he and he had periods of that last year too. Quintana did, like, um, just in in the summer, shortly after the break, he ran off a from July twenty eighth through August thirtieth. He ran off a 40 and a third inning stretch of a 245 ERA with 42 strikeouts. So over a strikeout per inning, just eight walks, just 34 hits as well. But then from that point on, uh, in September, he closed horribly, where he put up a an 1109 ERA, Justin, in 18 and two thirds. That's devastating, dude. And if you had him like head to head in the playoffs, are you kidding me? I mean, obviously, it's hopefully after the first two starts, you'd have just said, well, forget this. But <laughs> You know, there there were the periods last year of success. That's what makes this so tough to really assess. Because there was another one from April 11th through June 16th, 329 ERA in 76 and two thirds. Now that one only had 61 strikeouts, but there were the the not just glimpses, but extended periods of like, oh, Quintana, he's he's being Quintana, but then he he gets sour again. So I don't know, man. Um, Again, we're getting into the point of like, can't get a share of everybody. And if I lose out and I don't get a mm-hmm. share of Quintana, 
So be it. I'm not playing that many leagues this year. You're playing a lot more. You have a better opportunity to kind of uh, diversify, which we said we don't like to even do down here, though. We like to actually get our guys more. So I just don't think I'm going to have any Quintana this year. Um, in my shallower leagues where he's available, I'll keep an eye out. And if he does get on one of those runs, I'll jump. But I'm not drafting him, I don't think. Yeah, I just I can't imagine he's going to end up on any of my teams. I wonder if Victor Caratini becomes like an everyday catcher for him. Because, I mean, we know that, that Wilson Contreras has had his issues with framing and catching. Mm-hmm. Um, though, I mean, the framing metrics have him as kind of a league average guy last year. Uh, Caratini is a much better framer. And so I wonder if he could get some... Uh, added value because I mean he is a guy that like you said he needs to hit his spots for um, sure and he need you know he needs a catcher who's going to help steal him from strikes he needs to go back uh, to the other Chicago oh my god yeah I was I was thinking the same thing it's like oh well, I wish he hadn't traded him uh, but yeah I just don't I mean he's one of those guys that I'll, I'll kind of pay attention to and put on my watch list in shallow formats mm-hmm. but yeah in in 15 team leagues I'm, I'm not gonna roster him uh, and I think in a lot most 12 team leagues he's probably gonna go anyways but there'll be leagues where he's on the waiver wire uh, but and he'll be a guy kind of I kind of watch especially if Caratini is uh, kind of doing most of the catching for him but yeah I just the next guy we're going to talk about, we all know about my love. I've already, I've already yeah. mentioned. Him Let's jump into episode, Samarja so. then. Let's just transition here uh, into Samarja. And let, let me go ahead, because you know I'm a fan too. So this is Devil's mm-hmm. Advocate just to present the case to you so that you can argue um, for him. Because I, I, I like Samarja. I rank him high. You and I rank him much higher than the market for sure. The counter uh, regarding him is that like, well, you know, he doesn't strike anybody out. Um, his strikeout rate was very nice, 6.9, which should get you extra points in a league if it's actually 6.9. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so it, nice. It does. But, um, <laughs> you know, the the 459 FIP, his home runs have, have been an issue now for a few years where he's definitely worse than average. It's not egregious. 1.4 for what the ball was last year is not egregious. Here's the thing. And I've actually heard this. I, I love this, by the way, when you can tell that somebody just has like a preconceived notion and they try to use an argument against you. And then you, you give them the numbers and they're like, wait a minute, what? He seems like somebody, Samarja does, who took real full advantage of the home park, right? Nope. He was dead even home and, well, not dead even, but basically even home and away. 355, 350 home and road. He was a little bit better on the road. In fact, his whip was markedly better, 115 to 107. Can he hold that up, though? That would be the question. He had a um, where is it? 225 BABIP on the road, which certainly helped him maintain such quality numbers. And um, I guess that, that, that's really the question. Does strike out a lot of guys? Did really well on the road, but there was some BABIP excellence. Can, can it maintain? Was it skill-based? And what could we really expect this year from a Jeff Samarja at age 35 after the big year last year, even though we're not paying anywhere near where he finished? I think he was like a top 40 guy last year, and he's like 94th here in the market. Well, where he was really good was the first time, uh, first two times for the order. It, where it. he got hurt was he gave up eight of his uh, 28 home runs third time through the order last year. 
Okay. So, so maybe they I mean, start limiting him and just pulling that yeah. plug quick. And uh, and 294 ERA first time through the order, 251 ERA second time through the order, 645 third time through the order. Wow. Um, so, and I, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> just, it's a little bit bad. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that I, that tends to beat kind of the underlying metrics uh, at times. So I, I, I know people are pointing to the, the FIP and XBIP and going, well, Look, you know, he's he's due for some massive regression. And he is due for some regression. I don't think he's going to have a 3.52 ERA. Uh I also think this was his first season first, you know, full season coming back off of injury. Uh I think there is room for improvement, especially in the strikeout rate. This is a guy that uh pretty much career eight strikeouts per nine and was a full uh strikeout per nine below that last year. I think we're looking at a guy that is probably a Three eight to a four one ERA type guy, um, getting in you know getting back to you know seven and a half eight strikeouts per nine and close to two hundred innings because the Giants will ride him. He's already made comments about not wanting to be traded, mm-hmm. uh, so he and I believe he does have full no trade clause or at least a partial no trade clause. And, and Samar just a whip asset too. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of the eighteen, which was forty four and two thirds, we're washing that out as an injury fail yeah he's always been a whip asset since since he emerged i should always is the wrong phrase because that would suggest that he never had bad whips before that but since he kind of emerged in 2012 as a starter to be trusted he only had one bad whip year one three five one twenty four and that's with he's a career career, 124 whip guy and that's with some really bad whips early in his career as um yeah, and so I I don't understand. Like, I, I I mean, I guess I do understand a little bit of why he's going here so late. But I think it I think it's a mistake. He he he's a glue guy. Like, he's not the guy he's going to win your leagues. But he's one of those guys that fills out the back end of your rotation, gives you much uh, needed innings. You know, he's not going to have a huge strikeout rate, but because he's going to throw so many innings, oh, yeah, the volume is just going to be there. And mm-hmm. I don't get, you know, I like I said, had 15 shares last year of Jeff Samarja, paid off really, really well. Uh, I will probably have close to that <laughs> this year. Uh, and again, one of those guys that if, if it's not going well, you just let him go. Like, it's not like you don't have to stick with him. But I think... He's going to be kind of an accumulator as a starting pitcher, uh, and you ha- there's no price attached. Yep, we're absolutely simpatico here. Like I said, I was I was putting out the devil's advocate case um, for you to argue against there, and I I, I I got no problem taking this guy. And the last part that you mentioned is something that I always like to talk about with Samarja and guys like this. Yes, and Bumgarner does this too. Um, yes, the strikeout rate isn't flashy but they make up for it in sheer volume. And unless your league is actually strikeout rate and not raw strikeouts, then it shouldn't matter. The, the total number is all you should care about, and he's a volume guy. So I like Jeff Samarja for sure, and uh, he doesn't cost anywhere near what he should, so we'll get some shares. Uh, all right, Rick Porcello's up next with the Mets. Should have that fifth starters role. And um, you, know, you can't put anything into these, these every other year patterns. He does have one, though, and this would – ostensibly be a good year 343 492 315 465 428 not great 
um, in 2018, but it was with a 118 whip in 191 innings, and then 552 last year. So again, the the every other year stuff is just because it's there. It, it's 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 hard not to see it, but it's also impossible to give it any real credence. The Alex uh, so, Rios of pitchers. Yes, yes, yes. I think um, I think our boy Jason calls it uh, Saberhagen metrics because he used to have that. His was mostly due to injury. It, Porcello doesn't have that excuse. He pitches every year a full a full load of innings. Um, he just kind of vacillates. And this this is a great example of the uh, the range of outcomes played out a, as a career. He shows the range of outcomes. He mm-hmm. won a freaking Cy Young one year when he stole it from Justin Verlander like a freaking jerk. Not gonna get pissed off. Uh, anyway, sorry, I blacked out there for a moment. Um, awful last year. Five fifty-two, one thirty-nine. Homers were through the roof. Hits were through the roof. But only a three hundred eight BABIP. It's not like the BABIP went crazy. He couldn't strand anybody. It was tough. Goes to the Mets now. We know about their defense. He's not a huge ground ball guy anymore, though. Porcello, he hasn't been that now for a while. Pretty much since joining Boston. That used to be his mo. It's not anymore. So I, I'm going to leave it a little open-ended because I don't have a pointed question. What do you expect out of him? Can, can he bounce back to fantasy viability for, for Rick Porcello? I think he can. Moving to the Mets and getting to pitch in a, in a larger stadium definitely helps the kind of what he's moved towards being more of a fly ball uh, kind of guy and, and relying less on the ground balls. Uh that being said, like, I don't know that I'm willing to take the risk that it all blows up. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, sh- I should probably feel the same way about Porcello that I do in some ways about Jeff Samarja because he is kind of, he's an innings eater and he is going to accumulate. And we're going to look at the end of the season and go, oh, well, there's like 100 and, you know, 50 strikeouts uh, that I could have had. Uh, the problem is I, I don't feel very comfortable about the ERA, the whip. Um, There is another guy that they can just replace him in the rotation with if he is bad. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably out on Porcello. Uh, Yeah. He's just been so bad the last few years. Uh, And I know like 2018 wasn't like awful, but like it wasn't good either. Um, I'm with you. You know, especially because what was his whip in 2000? No, 118 whip actually doesn't. That, that, that's, that's what that's what maintained his value, though. The <laughs> ERA. And listen, to be fair, I talk about it with like Musgrove. Uh, I'm always saying, like, don't sleep on the guy who has mediocre ERA, but a good whip because mm-hmm. the reverse we always go crazy for when they have a good ERA, but a but a poor whip. So I'll be fair and say but two that, out of the last three years, you've eaten a 140 whip. It's been shit. Him. I mean, he's been yeah. pure shit for a ton of innings two of the last three years. So, yeah, I with, mean, for me with Porcello. I Young Award winner. Shut up, dude. So... <laughs> shut up, you're dumb. Dumb, dumb mouth. I mean, so that means something. Once you show a skill of being a Cy Young Award winner, you, you definitely own, that. own it, and you can win many more size. Um, Yeah, I, it, it's, just a, it's just not a guy that I – that I have any interest in. So, What's the name of that baseball perspective league where you draft all the bad players? Hacking Mass. Yes, that's where I want him. That's hilarious and accurate. <laughs> A lot of go. innings, and they're not going to be good, most yep. than likely. 
So, all right, that's Rick Porcello. Let's move on here. We are getting a little long. So um, 97 to 101, and then we'll do our five, and we'll just go through the five and just say something about each one of them. Because I really like this tier. <laughs> oh, no, I, lo- I love this tier right here. Yeah. And I like our, our fives, too. Mm. Um, we could save our fives for the beginning of next show. No, let's just go through okay. all of it quickly. We, we, okay. can, we can move it quickly. I mean, a lot of the guys we've already kind of talked about or That's you true. have really, really, really long histories of. So, so we, know, um, we know what to say about them. Yeah. We yeah. don't need to, we need, don't need to go in super de- deep with uh, uh, a lot of these guys. All right. 91, 97 through 101. Corbin Burns, Nate Pearson, Kyle Gibson, Forrest Whitley, Jay Happ. Burns getting another shot as a starter. Disastrous year last year. Had some real rotten luck, though, too, man. Like, I was on the Woodruff camp. We, we, we know that. But I never thought that he was – it wasn't because I thought Corbin Burns was going to have a 3.1 homer per nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he allowed 17 homers in 49 innings. Insane. In fact, to be honest, I was just like I, – I was going for Woodruff. That was my guy. But I was gonna I was gonna pick up whoever won the fifth starters role because I, I like Burns mm-hmm. as well. He like he showed a lot of talent. So he's come back this year. Um, he's gonna get another opportunity. We've already hinted at it throughout these shows that the Brewers they need rotate. We just talked about it with Lindblom. They need starters. They need somebody, some guys to emerge around Woodruff and Hauser, and even Hauser needs to show that he can be a guy. They have the aforementioned Brett Anderson. Uh, Burns doesn't have a spot yet, but. The Brett Anderson, Eric Lauer, and even Lindblom, if we're being fair, aren't fully saying you can't have a spot. If any of them falters out of the gate, that's an opportunity for Burns if he's pitching well. Are you reinvesting in Burns or are you watch listing him? I think is the is the question here. I think I'm gonna reinvest a little bit. Okay. Only, only because of the kind of situation he's in. So now, I mean, we've got guys where we've talked about through this episode, Ross Tripley being the main example of teams where, man, I love the talent. If there was a spot and we just can't invest because there isn't a spot, there's a spot here. Like, and uh, I mean, because do they really trust Eric Lawyer and how long can Brett Anderson keep up what he's done, especially moving out of the comfy confines of uh, Oakland or uh, Oakland for Brett Anderson. Yeah. Uh, San Diego for mm-hmm. Eric Lauer. Yeah. Like, can, like, is there any way that Brett Anderson keep up what he was doing in Oakland, not pitching in the Oakland Coliseum? I, I don't know. Uh, so like, I think there's a real shot here for Burns to not just grab a rotation spot, uh, but keep it and keep it long term. And I think they will push him if he, uh, uh, if he gets that opportunity, I know he only threw like 70 innings uh, completely last year, but like I could see him throwing 140. Uh, and I mean, if you look at the projection systems, I mean, outside of ATC, they've all got him at like 4142 kind of ERA, um, though ATC was the number one ranker last yeah. year. Ariel yeah. Cullen. What, so. what do they got? What do they got him at? 466. So I mean it's a, it's aggregating. So there's probably some mm-hmm. high ones out there. Uh, it's not that Ariel hates him or anything. It, it, again, mm-hmm. ATC aggregates uh, yeah. projections, and so it still has. Even with that, it's a 409 fit. Do you see that? Yeah. So they they still like the underlying skills. It it kind of mm-hmm. comes back to that home run rate for Corbin Burns. Somebody we have to mention though, 
um, who's also fighting for a spot the same way Burns is, is Freddie Peralta, who did just get a deal and has been kicking butt at spring training. Mm-hmm. Burns, by the way, I should say, he's done fine. He's done well in his three innings, too. He hasn't allowed a hit, hit three strikeouts. Don't want to go crazy on that. Uh, I don't want to go crazy on Peralta throwing five innings with one hit, five strikeouts. But they're both doing well, and neither has a spot right now. Could they both push out the two lefties, Anderson and Lauer? Or Then you've got five righties in the rotation, which ugh, I don't know. I think Anderson gets a shot. I do too. Actually, I, I fully I, agree I with don't, that. I mean, I think he could obviously lose it if he if he's awful. Uh, but I think it's probably either Peralta or Burns, for, and for maybe Lauer. yeah for Lauer's spot, and maybe Peralta gets kind of the the first shot because of the contract. Mm-hmm. Maybe they piggyback him. Yeah, and like they, they definitely four. they definitely could do that. I just, I mean, Burns has real skills. I think Peralta needs to be a reliever long-term anyways. Um, Didn't he add a pitch this year, though? Let me check Jason's. Let me check. You keep talking. I'll check Jason's pitch meter. Yeah, I just... I think um, Burns probably needs another pitch, too, because... He did uh, earn... uh, So, Burns, change-up and sinker, according to Jason. mm -hmm. And then Peralta... Uh, no, nothing showed up on a control F. I thought he was working on something new, but I think that I'm incorrect there. So Burns is, though. Burns mm-hmm. is actually working on some new okay. stuff. So, that, and, and I think that would be huge for him because, uh, I mean, I, I really like the slider and, you know, he throws the uh, he throws the fastball uh, 95. So uh, if Freddie he could... Peralta is working. Sorry to interrupt you, but Freddie Peralta mm-hmm. is working on a new pitch. I think Jason might have just – I might have to send this article over to him. So he'll have two now. He's Well, okay, here's what it is. Yeah, I know. Because he's – like, when we say he's a fastball-only guy for Freddie Peralta, that is not an exaggeration. No. It's, like, that yeah. dude throws 80% fastballs. Um, so he's, he's bringing back a slider that he had, which in addition to the curve – so two breakers and a fastball, which can work. You don't have to have a changeup if it's three different pitches and they're they're legitimately different. See, well, that was the problem. I mean, he only threw like I don't know how many sliders, but like it's point one percent was what they said sliders last year. It was virtually the exact same mile per hour as his fastball. Um, So I'll be interested to see. I'll have to actually go and see some of the results from what he's thrown in spring and if. Uh, if it's you much as a curveball, by the way, yeah, because uh, you're right. He threw 78.4 percent fastballs last year. Like, like and it, it's a good fastball. He gets crazy extension on it. That's that's why it's so successful. But you have no margin for error. The days it's off, mm-hmm. he, he Peralta gets absolutely destroyed. Yeah, like it, it's just it's so hard to be consistently successful like that and that's the problem there so between burns and peralta and let's say you're drafting now over the next like week because as as spring progresses we're going to get more clarity but right now it's up in the air which of the two if either are you drafting oh it's burns it's not even close okay uh, cuz peralta's going considerably higher Oh, is he? Oh, I mean, well, he wasn't in either of these groups, and I know he's being drafted. So he's three forty-one. 
He's later. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I'm actually surprised by that. Um, I'm still taking had breaks. me had me panicked because I thought I missed him. But um, okay, that, and that I I don't think that's I don't think that's unjustifiable there to say you're still going to stick with Burns. I think it's another yeah, coin give me a guy type. who give me a guy who I think can you know have a twenty five percent strikeout rate and uh and you know and put up you know a four ERA um and I See, think Burns can do that. Like, Burns has two reliable pitches with the fastball yeah. slider and if he's and adding, if he's adding a third, two well mm-hmm. two it's that yeah, change two, up and yeah. sinker that he was working on sinker. You know, isn't always distinctly different from the fact. Like it's, the it's still in the fastball he's class. Had before, um, but he's but he's refining it, it and yeah. trying to make it a a true pitch as opposed to a show me for Burns. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know what? I think I agree with you. I think I'm gonna go Burns between the two. I'm keeping a close eye on Peralta though. I really am, and uh, I'm I'm gonna monitor that situation. But if I'm drafting here in the short term, I'm gonna go Burns. Nate Pearson is next for Toronto. Prospect, big time prospect, mm-hmm. should be up at some point this year, and and could be a real contributor for them, but uh, not going to break camp. Like he's not padding no. things. They don't really. They're not in a position to where it would make any real sense. And I think there is question to whether or not he will be up this year. Um, like I think he will make his major league debut, but it may be like so late in the season where it's not going to help you to roster him in a draft. Uh, I'm not and, drafting him in mm-hmm. really any format right now, unless something changes on his news. Uh, actually, I'm hemming and hawing on that a little bit. Uh, draft and hold. When I say that, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't say any format because draft, yeah, and, hold draft and hold, and you are I'll take virtually anybody. Can... But, um, I don't know, man. Like he he did pitch in AAA last year, mm-hmm. eighteen innings. He is beasting out in spring so far. I mean, it's three innings, but Here, he, here's uh, my caveat. Like, let's hear. It. What is going on in the AL East right now, uh, where everybody is getting coronavirus of the arm? Um, <laughs> <laughs> could if. And I mean, the Yankees are just being decimated everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for some reason Toronto starts out really, really hot, and all of a sudden we're going into like mid to late May, and Toronto's leading the division, I could see them making the move then. They go, you know, our offense, our young offense has gelled and come together. The rotation pieces that we have, while no one is going to necessarily like say, "Oh, this rotation's amazing." Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's holding up because you've got you know Ryu, uh, you know at the top, Chase Anderson and, and Matt Shoemaker are doing what you know what they brought him in to do, and Tanner Roark, you know, and Trent Thornton takes a little bit of a step forward, you know, or or you know three of those four, you know, are, are do, doing fairly well, and we're winning games because our offense has really clicked. Uh, I could see them going, hey, why not make a run at this? Yep. I, I, I don't I feel you. I don't know that with all the injuries to Boston and New York, and, you know, we've had a few injuries already to, or at least one, you know, you know kind of big injury if Snell is lost for an extended period of time in Tampa Bay. Like, I think this division is more poachable than 
we would normally give it credit for. So I could totally see that kind of just crazy scenario happening in Toronto going, let's make a run at this. Here's the thing. They're, they're a legit dark horse now. It's still sure. a lot of ifs. Even anytime you're a dark horse, it, that requires the very nature of being a dark horse does require a series of ifs. But they have that dark horse candidacy. That lineup is impressive, and it, and it yeah. runs pretty deep, especially if the, if the Kin 4 go off and then Shaw returns. Grichuk does his thing. Like As a six-hitter, Grichuk just has to be like 240 with 30 homers, and that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Teoscar can more or less do the same. Ideally, they can get on base at a higher than, than 280 clip. That's been the problem with Grichuk is that – uh, dude has a 293 OBP for his career. He's but, got that um, contract that's gonna mean yep, he's gonna play. Yep. And then Danny <laughs> Jansen. CGFBI, so. You needed some punch, so you uh, took him. Um, and Derek Fisher, former former prospect who has some interesting upside as well. So the offense, they've got pieces. Ryu, Anderson, Roark, mm-hmm. uh, Shoemaker. If, if there's any health there, and then you know Trent Thornton. Could go one way or the other, but then that's the spot that Pearson could take. So, I don't know. I think as the as spring progresses, if he continues to dominate and just really, sh- you know, dude throws one hundred three, has a disgusting slider. I I could I could maybe take him and let him be, you know, an early. If it does look like okay, he's going to go down for a month plus, then then he's an early cut. This goes back to something we mentioned last episode with uh, with Dustin May. Be mindful of whether or not he was drafted in your NFBC league, Nate mm-hmm. Pearson, because then if he's cut, you can pick him up before he's called back up. And yeah. that's a potential advantage. It's very specific to NFBC, but I know a lot of y'all do play it, so I want to I want to put that out there again. That's a sneak tip thing that could pay big dividends when it comes to prospects who get drafted and then subsequently cut before they come back up. So that's Nate Pearson. Um, I will say he isn't on the 40 man. Yes. Which does complicate matters. He was a non-roster so invitee. They, they so do have, they do have some, a bunch of guys they could DFA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like it, it does just require that move, but it's not like they're so stuck that they couldn't DFA mm-hmm. some of these guys like Wilmer font could get DFA for the 412th time in his career. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cal Gibson, you don't really think anything about him, so we'll move on. Four, two, no, I'm kidding. Gibby, diverticulitis, dude. It's a hell of a drug. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ulcerative colitis. I knew when I said it last time that it was wrong. I just couldn't think of what I it wanna was. Say, so I, I want to say the kept... first person who mentioned it to me said diverticulitis, and that's why we went to it. I think that's we where we it. got that. So yeah. and, I'm blaming and... someone else other than me. It's it's just been stuck in my head ever since. And like I said, I, I was like, I think we've been corrected on this, and I don't think this is the right one. Anyway, that one guy on Twitter really hates when we say diverticulitis. So um, ulcerative colitis. Which is great because I don't really know what it is anyway. So Neither sounds particularly good. No. Let's just say that. And Gibby was battling through that last year, trying to grind it out. It's an inte- gastrointestinal issue, I believe. Yes. Ulcerative colitis. And, uh, you know, he's just shitting himself on the mound. Usually he just does that with his pitching. Now his butt was actually doing it this time. How dare you? You know, when you go back-to-back 507 ERAs in 2016 and 2017, you know, you have ulcerative colitis of the arm. Well, last mm-hmm. year he had it of the butt or or of the uh, stomach. And so 
jokes aside, that's pretty difficult to pitch through. Energy was low, and so it was it was a struggle. It's one of those things that a guy's battling through, but he's pitching all the time. So we're like, well, he's fine because it's maybe not out there front and center. And then all of a sudden, you look up and he has a 5.92 second half ERA. And it starts to make some sense. And really, it wasn't even the full second half. It was August and September, 627 and 844, respectively. So let's say he's got this under control. He's going to Texas. How do you feel about your boy, Kyle Gibson? Dude, I love my boy, Kyle Gibson. And this is a How many shares? How many shares? All the shares. I want all the shares of Kyle Gibson. And you're not joking right now. You're being I'm not joking at I know. all. I'm mean, making sure people understand. Like, I mean... Th- one, he's good. I mean, people, I think, are freaking out because he's going to Texas and all that. But again, it's going to be a climate control stadium. Uh, it will not be the Texas that we have seen in years past. They think about uh, 120 degrees on the field in July. That, that, that's plain and simple. That's the best factor. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and even if you like just start digging into some of the underlying numbers from last year, it like the season wasn't as bad as. It, it looked on, you know, on, you know, in the surface stats, you know, XFIP of a 380 uh, swing and strike rate uh, went up last year. Walk rate went down like there. I think a healthy Kyle Gibson will be a very, very interesting pitcher and way outperform his draft slot. So, yeah, I'm going to get a lot of shares of Kyle Gibson. OK, and it's not just because he does amazing gardening work. No, no, it's not just the meme. It's it's. Yeah. You know, uh, there, there there is a little something here, and you know we love to do the memes. Thirteen percent swinging strike rate last year, yeah. As you mentioned, twenty three percent strikeout rate. Walk rate was down, even with the struggles. This this mm-hmm. is the thing. I'm not lopping off August and September. I'm including those, and he still had these gains here. Um, and Texas has done some really interesting things with their pitching, and you know we don't know who exactly is going to get the Mathis treatment. Um, cause he's not going to start every day. He's just such an inept bat that he has to kind of caddy, maybe two guys, but if Gibson's one of them, that's another mm-hmm. benefit or maybe they share, you know, maybe, maybe caddy's one guy and then they kind of pass, you know, they kind of pass the torch around about who else gets to, gets to work with him. I don't know if he has a special bond with minor or Lynn specifically, but maybe he works exclusively with one of those guys and then mixes in with, with the others. And, um, that would just give Gibson like he's so good behind the dish. Mathis is it's in, mm-hmm. it's insane, but well, he's uh, still like seventy years old and still uh, yeah still majors despite like a four WRC plus in like two thousand at bats like it's mm-hmm. it's insane how it, bad his bat is but that tells you how good his defense is. Um, twenty nine hundred and thirty eight plate appearances, forty six WRC plus, and yet he's still a four win player. Over that time, because of defense alone, that's yeah, that's impressive, Jeff Mathis. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all five of their starters: Kluber, Miner, Lynn, Gibson, and even Jordan Lyles. Um, so yeah, I'll take some shares of Gibby too, and it'd be fun if we both got him, because then we could go, we could talk to him on the pod when he's here gardening. And that is why he moved to Texas, by the way. That was he mentioned that in his press conference. He said traveling between mm-hmm. Austin and Minnesota was way too difficult. Yeah, and he wanted just, to be closer. Yeah. I mean, just got to think the stress of not having to jump on a flight to go from Austin to uh, Minnesota for, you know, every fifth day. With uh, ulcerative colitis. Yeah, with, with ulcerative colitis. It's just, yeah, I mean, he, he, this is, you know, this, this is going to be a breakout season for him. I hope somebody's, 
I hope a newer listener is just wondering yeah, what no is going on. What is going on? Uh, yeah, stick around. You'll learn. You'll learn. Yeah. We'll talk about it once, once the, once the mm-hmm. summer kicks you'll... up. He'll be here every freaking episode, regardless of when we record, no matter what. And it'll sound like he's in my office. <laughs> it'll be great. All right. Forrest Whitley. Um, similar to the Nate Pearson situation. Obviously, they're on you know different teams of, in terms of uh, where they're at and everything. But doesn't have a spot right now. Could get one pretty quickly. Rough season for Whitley last like brutal season. And that's why he never he never came up. Did close out well uh in the Arizona Fall League. So ended on a high note, put a little bow on his season after the after the brutal work in uh in double and triple A. Twenty-two years old. There are open spots though. Like I like Arcadia a lot, but he's not automatic locked and loaded. And Josh James, very intriguing, but very raw too. And, and I'd say he's even less locked and loaded than Urquidy. So that could mean an early arrival for Forrest Whitley if he does his part. Does he does he give you any interest at the draft table right now outside of the formats we keep talking about, like draft and hold and AL only? Is there any redraft standard league where you have to just put him on the reserves where you're looking to take some Forrest Whitley shares? Absolutely not. I'm going to have zero shares. I'm completely out on Forrest Whitley. Uh, do tell. Uh, I I fear um, that this is going to end up like Robert Stevenson. Ooh. And so you those, just think that he's a bit of a flop. I yeah. I mean, he's changing his delivery again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not worked out well so far. In spring, um, you know, he's got a 10 ERA in 2.2 spring innings. Ouch. Uh, yeah, it's I, I'm yeah, I'm super worried about this. How, how many walks is he walking, guys? Uh, two walks in those 2.2 innings, so I mean, okay. not atrocious or anything. Well, not, yeah, it's not like six or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I just maybe he figures it out. I don't think it's going to be this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to be up anytime soon. And I think people are stashing him thinking, oh, well, he's got a a much clearer path to the rotation this season. And I think while that theoretically may be true, I think he is his biggest question mark or, you know, his biggest roadblock at this point. Yeah, um, I think all that's fair. I'm not as aggressively out in terms of the long term on Whitley, but I'm with you. I'm not drafting him. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not trying to hang on, on to him. Well, um, and, and not just NFBC where you have the limited spots uh, and no IL, even in a league with IL where I could push an injured guy, not, not Whitley, but it helps to hold a guy like that. If you can put your injured guys on the IL, still don't want him. I'll, I'll play the wait and see game. And um, if he, if he is ready this year and dominates, I'll tip my cap and, and and say good good on good on the person who drafted him, but I'm with you on Whitley. No thanks, not this year. Let's go back to uh, Jay Happ, who we briefly discussed earlier. Um, on the Yankees, obviously got his spot locked in. He's been a bit uh, a bit uneven, uh, or, or was a bit uneven last year. After some pretty good years, uh, like four straight quality years. If you look at 15 through 18 for Jay Happ, 340 ADRA, uh, 121 whip, really nice with eight and a half strikeouts, just under a strikeout per inning. 
And then last year, it fell apart a bit. 491 ERA, 130 whip. Strikeouts went way down. In fact, from 18 to 19, he dropped two strikeouts off of his per nine. And I was looking at him on uh, on B-Ref there. That's why I'm doing per nines. Let me get his strikeout rate. He went from, Hap went from 26 to 21%. Five points off. That's tough. Home run rate soared. And it was already a tough 1-4 in 2018. Like, he was... Pretty fortunate to survive that, but it's because he didn't walk anybody and he didn't allow hits. But it went from 1-4 to 1-9 in 19. Anything left in the tank for a 37-year-old J-Hap for you? I don't think so. I just, yeah. I mean, this was a guy that uh, usually kind of beat his underlying skills, uh, at least when he was going well in Toronto, and it was largely because he just did not give up home runs. Uh, and the last two seasons, that has changed. And I don't know if it's the bouncy ball, and maybe if we revert a little bit more to a normal ball that he is a huge beneficiary. Uh, it, it, that could be true, but I just don't know that I want to want to find out. Like I, I think he's a waiver wire guy, a spot start guy. Uh, until we see him get back to the guy that he was in 2017. If I made you take one of Hap or Hamels, who would you take? Hamels. I thought you might say that. And that, I mean, that's saying a lot because I don't like. Yes. I, said, I don't think Hamels should be drafted. Um, yeah, I just. Uh, yeah, I think I would take Hamels. I think there, I think there's a better chance that at some point we will see a good Hamels, and I just don't know that about Hap. Hap or Whitley? Hap. Okay. Hap. I think there, I think there is a real chance Forrest Whitley does not make the majors this year. Um. Yeah, I mean he didn't last year, so like I, I can't I can't say that that's crazy. I really can't. So, yeah, like that. I don't think you're you're out of bounds for saying that. So, OK, um, I, I feel you on on the half situation. Thirty seven years old. Uh, you know, I know I, I talk about the ageism thing a lot. Um, maybe I'm playing into it a bit here because I'm not really interested. But it's not just because of his age. It's because he's off of terrible season and the home run rate spiking in 18, maybe portended 19, even though it went higher. So, yeah, I, I'd play the wait and see. If Hap does come back a bit and starts to look more like 15 through 18, then I'll, I'll bid on him off of a waiver wire in shallower leagues um, or even in 15 team if he, if he isn't drafted. But I'm not going to reach out for him. No, thanks. I'll pass on Hap. All right. Our five after 100. So here's how we're going to do this. You're going to give your five and just say, you know, give your little pitch for each of them right, right after, you know, say the name, give the pitch. And that will we'll finish up like that. Do you want to go one in one or all five at once? Um, I don't care. Whichever one you want to do. All right, let's go. Uh, go. Let's, yeah, let's do all five. Yeah, yeah. Go. So I you lie. go ahead. You go ahead and start. And uh, here's your five that you're really keeping a close eye on, and and then you can say where you where you're drafting them, or if you're just watch listing them. However, however you want to frame your your little pitch for them. Uh, okay, so we'll start with Patrick Sandoval. Uh, I think canning is probably done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think this opens the door for Sandoval to have a full-time 
uh, rotation spot, and uh, I just think he there's there's a chance he kind of does what he did last year, and it's not pretty. But I think there's also if you look at his minor league track record and look at his stuff, you can really see a season where he puts it together, gives you like 140 uh, in innings, 150 in innings of really really quality work with with a good amount of strikeouts. Um, I just, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to take that gamble now that we, that, now that we're pretty sure that canning is done, uh, at least for the immediate future. Um, Wade Miley, uh, you know, taking all my pitch, guys. Yeah. Pitch tipping issue. Uh, though it may not have been a pitch tipping issue. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, really, really solid, uh, Really, really sol- solid guy, uh, and I think people are just kind of overlooking him, uh, including the f- projection systems. Yes, Cincinnati's not a great place to pitch, uh, what, but what do they got? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but what, what are the, those projections saying? They're all over the place. Uh, the best projection is ATC's got him 4.36 ERA in 137 innings. Uh, the worst is the bat 5.06 in 160 innings. Oh. Yeah, and Dang, I, I, dude. I honestly think he'll be better than than both of those. Uh, so That's I mean, tough. yeah, um, I, I've already gotten a number of shares of Miley. Uh, you know, it kind of as a late reserve pick. Uh, I, I think he's I think he's worth a gamble. Um, uh, Spencer Howard, he may actually be one of the first minor league pitchers uh, up. For the uh, Phillies, year, by the way, for, for the those Phillies, who don't know him. Yeah, I think probably, yeah. I mean, he's he's only thrown 30 innings at double-A, but uh, I think he's ready to pitch now in the majors. Uh, he'll probably go down to start the year and then be one of those kind of first-wave call-ups. So we'll see him early to late May at some point. Okay. Um, and I think he could be a guy that, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, 10 strikeouts per nine uh, with a usable ERA, like, you know, for, you know, low fours ERA um, and getting a boatload of wins for what I think is going to be a good team in Philadelphia. So uh, I I like Spencer Howard a lot. Uh, Kikuchi, we, we, you know, I mentioned him early in the offseason as a guy that I was going to buy back in on. only because I'd seen some video of him and the movement on his stuff looked better. There's been reports that the uh, the velocity is up, and while you while you pointed out uh, while you pointed out to me pre-show that that doesn't necessarily mean as much as it might for other guys because we saw his velocity being at this point last year at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's more about how the movement on his breaking stuff works uh, because for that's sure. what made him a big prospect and he's looked really good so far uh in spring so i'm i mean there he's not even being drafted in online championships i don't know if he's even been drafted in an online championship in the last few weeks yeah i mean with the period that we're using the 26th through now he doesn't even show up on the board so like if he's your last pick in online championships or real late in 30 team leagues um, I want to say his EDP and like draft champions right now is like four twenty something. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm going to take a shot. Uh, and you know, there's a reason why he was a really, really exciting player coming over from uh, uh, from Japan last year. 
Uh, I'm going to take a shot. And then Spencer Turnbull. I, I can't believe Turnbull's going this late. I know, um, dude. Like, I know he's a tiger and everything, but, like, I don't know, man. He showed some strikeout upside. Sorry, I, it's mm-hmm. your guy, but the the if you hadn't put him on, I was going to put him on. Uh, a few of your names that I was kind of letting you put your names in, I was like, okay, if he doesn't take him, I'm going to do it. And, and Turnbull, of course, being a Tigers fan, I was going to put him on my list, so I'm glad you did. I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys that, like, rates out uh, better than people think um, on Eno's uh, command plus mm-hmm. uh, stuff and then his control. Uh, I just, you know, he's going to have full run this year. I think the injury really derailed him last year. Uh, didn't he get nicked up, I want to say, halfway through the season and then just kind of tried yes. to pitch through it? Um, and I think that really kind of hides the fact that he was like he was amazing in the first half. He had almost 90 innings of a 331 ERA uh, and, you know, 84 strikeouts in those, you know, almost 90 innings. Um, and then every, it, everything was bad in the second half. And I think that is largely due to injury. So Turnbull's another guy that I'm going to have some shares of. I'm here for it. Good group there, man. Uh, Nick turned me on to Sandoval. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And I've been a fan me ever well. since. And you make the great point about um, Griffin Canning kind of opening the door there because it was looking like Sandoval might be a six type for them, especially with Otani out for a while. That mm-hmm. opens the door for Sandoval. So I'm fully in there. And even um, when Otani comes back because they'll move to that six still, man. Yeah, he could still stay. And plus, he could establish himself to the point where maybe they kick somebody else out anyway if they didn't even want to do the six man. Because right now it's Tehran, Heaney, Bundy, Sandoval, Andres, add Otani, you're you're still good. So you either go six mm-hmm. man or Otani takes Andres. So yeah, good call there. Um, Miley, I've been I was touting him earlier in the year too. So I agree with you there. Spencer Howard, uh, interesting prospect who I just learned about this offseason. Kikuchi, a guy that tough year last year, but I'm I'm eager to see what he can do on a re- rebound. And then Turnbull, I already said how much I like him here are my five uh marco gonzalez in in a similar kikuchi vein where i liked him last year i actually liked marco gonzalez quite a bit more last year than kikuchi and it, it never fully got going and i was out pretty early but then by season's end he had a 399 era and a 131 whip don't love the whip but it because whip was actually what i was hoping to get from uh marco gonzalez but from where he started to where he got to it was some good development there, but he had some shellackings early that I just cut my shares. I, I didn't have that many to begin with, and after a, a 586, he actually started off strong in April, 280 ERA, 120 whip. But then a 586 ERA and a 163 whip in May, that's when I jumped out on, on Marco Gonzalez. Uh, but he closed really strong, 354, 463, and 243 in the final three months. Added all up, the second half was a 367. ERA, a lot of numbers there. Bottom line is Marco Gonzalez can be a ratios asset for a ton of innings. The strikeout rate is not going to be there. That's not what you're getting him for, but goes back to what we said about Samarja. If you're throwing 200 innings, even with only like, I don't know, seven and a half strikeouts per nine, you can still get a decent volume that doesn't kill you. Uh, next up, Julio Tehran. I know, boring, like kind of an innings eater type. But I was talking about this in my uh, top 175 because somebody was kind of poo-pooing him like, oh, you know, what's the point? He's awful. I know he's moving to the AL, but of the 100 uh, – oh, somebody said that he gets beat up the third time through. That wasn't true. That's not the stat I want to give. His K rate is at or just below average. 
but he's another guy whose innings volume keeps his K totals useful. He has 162 each of the last two years. Julio Tehran's one of just 22 starters with at least 162 strikeouts each of the last two years. That's pretty good. He's also just one of 10 starters with a sub-4 ERA in at least 174 innings each of the last two years. In short, the hate on Tehran's has gone too far. And considering how cheap he is, I think he's kind of underrated, unless you're really in on Steamer's 530 ERA 146 whip, which I'm not. I, I don't I don't buy that. So I kind of like Tehran. He's a glue guy. He's basically an AL Samarja, in my opinion. Jordan Lyles, I briefly mentioned him earlier. I'm in on the Texas starters. You talked about something that we've been hitting on all offseason, that their park's going to play better. It's still going to be probably leaning offense. I don't want to go too far and pretend it's going to be some pitcher's haven, but it's climate controlled and it's not going to be as uh, amazing as it used to be, especially in the summer months when it was, when it was a hot box. So I like that. And Jordan Lyles, once he got back to uh, was it Milwaukee last year, he really started to find his groove again. And I'm, I'm intrigued by his curveball. Pablo Lopez. I wrote about him a, uh, a while ago. And uh, in my good good pitches from bad pitchers, bad pitcher meaning that they had a bad not not that they're actually bad pitchers, but that they struggled. He really had some blowups last year. It wasn't that he was actually bad; it's that some blowups really kind of made his his bottom line look pretty bad. But there's some intrigue here with Pablo Lopez in Miami, and uh, he's got some stuff to 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 take a real step forward this year. There was some hype last year. It was probably a year too early. You and I love being a year too early, so let's uh, let's go ahead and um, you know jump in the the second year after being a year too early on somebody, uh, and that's that was me with Pablo Lopez last year, and then Austin Voth of Washington. Joe Ross has the fifth starter job right now, or at least has the the angle on it according to Roster Resource. I've done the Joe Ross thing, I did the Tyson Ross thing. Um, I'm out on the Rosses. Well, Tyson doesn't pitch anymore, so I don't have to be. But no, um, I just don't see it with Joe Ross. I just don't know what there is to really be that interested in at this point. He hasn't thrown more than 73 innings uh, or than 74 innings since 2016 in the majors. And his results are pretty poor. He has a five, over a five ERA each of the last three seasons. So Austin Voth is an interesting prospect. A little bit older, a little bit out of the prospect age, but um, threw really well last year, including in his 43 and two-thirds inning sample. 25% strikeout, 8% walk, 330 ERA, 105 whip. I think he takes that fifth starter's role and runs with it in Washington. So there's my five after 100. Marco Gonzalez, Julio Tehran, Jordan Lyles, Pablo Lopez, and Austin Voth. All righty. Um... Like Gonzalez, like Tehran, like Lyles, like Lopez. Voth. Oh, Ross has looked really good this spring. <laughs> um, he, Ross, oh, man. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I didn't even know that. That's yeah, all right. Five, he'll, he'll five inning, yeah, five innings, only giving up one hit and one walk in those five innings. Uh, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's looking like the... The, the the Joe Ross that uh, a lot of us, including myself, fell in love with many, 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 many years ago. Uh, and, and, so and subsequent years after, like, five, six, seven years, like, we, we Nathan Eovaldi'd him for a while. 
So, um, that being said, I think Voth uh, is probably first man up. And, and he's pitched well in spring uh, also. So, uh, who else? I mean, the problem is that rotation is just stacked at the top. So it's and I don't I mean unless Anibal Sanchez gets hurt I just don't know that no, they take it, him it, out. It's Ross or, or an injury. Yeah, you're right. Like yeah. that that's that's definitely But I mean Anibal Sanchez and Joe Ross are, are you know injury guys. And I mean it's not like Strasburg hasn't had injury issues either. Yeah. Um Scherzer's already, you know, he dealt with a back issue last year. I I think Voth is probably I don't know that I would draft him. Uh, but I think he's definitely a guy that I would look to grab if I saw one of the guys in the rotation go down. Yes, firm watch list guy for me. I don't I don't think I'm drafting him um, outside of what we've been saying, draft champions and only league. But um, automatically on NFBC, that's that little I next to guys. I've already put him on the watch list for my, for some leagues. Like I'm already keeping an eye on Austin Voth for sure. The other four I'll draft as reserves. Gonzalez, Tehran, Lyles, Lopez. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, there we go. We did it. Took five parts, but hopefully people enjoyed the deep dives there. We could have done it in fewer parts, but it wouldn't have been nearly as much coverage on a lot of the guys that I think, I mean, look, um, I don't think we talked about this off air, right? About how I made the team of guys who were drafted after pick 300. That was offline, right? This was not on the show. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It was before the show. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, what the I did show's been so long, I forgot. I know, what was I know. <laughs> what, what I did was, um, it, it, for a piece I'm going to be working on, I went and looked at guys <laughs> taken after pick 300, and I made a full team. I wanted to see how that team would have performed in the main event, and then I want to highlight guys going after 300 this year that could be similar to those guys. And there's a shit ton of talent, and most of it was from the – the pitching was actually stout. Giolito, Lynn, Soroka, Minor, Freed, Odorizzi, Samarja – uh, and then Romo and Rogers for the closers. Closers were a little bit tougher, but I just got my 50 saves and got out, and they, that was fine. But those seven starters were awesome. They delivered a three the all, all with the two relievers too. It was a 3.44 ERA and a 117 WHIP. That's really good. So a lot of these guys that we're talking about, even some of the ones that we probably said, "eh, we don't like them," he's an afterthought. One of those is going to pop and make us look stupid. There's going to be talent in these ranges. So I felt it was worth doing parts three, four, and five where we're deep diving on these guys mm -hmm. to really talk about how we feel about some of these guys who could be the next Giolitos and Sorokas and Freeds and Odorizis, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're back to the uh, positional previews uh, on, the, uh, on the offensive side next time out with first base. But uh, what do you got coming up the rest of the week here, Justin? Uh, well, the rest of this week, oh, I'm going to be on the bench with Bubba podcast in about two hours. Excellent. Um, Say hi for me. Great I guy. will. Uh, yeah, awesome dude. Uh, Bubba is is a really, really fun dude to hang out with. I always love to see him at Barth. Uh, yeah, um, and then I don't think I have. I'm just getting stuff done around the house. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just going to kind of enjoy the start of my vacation and then really start kind of hitting the grindstone in terms of content next week. I think I'm, Excellent. I think I'm going to bring back, uh, the road write up next week. Love it. Love it. That could actually be, you know, we, we, you and Jeff should get together and, mm -hmm. and kind of share the mining, the news stuff. Cause you can kind of put some of those tidbits 
in there as well. Like that'd be a good platform for that as well. But um, also, if you want to do an extra pod, you let me know. You let me know. Yeah, I don't know All if right. I can do an extra pod, but I could definitely do longer pods. That works. Maybe we do two long sessions and then cut it up. We could yeah. also do that. Maybe something like that. So you're not taking what, an what, extra what, day. What do we have left? We've got first, first second, second catcher re- reliever. Yeah, maybe we could just do first and second or first and catcher or something like that on but Monday. Then like, like take a break in between them and make it two separate episodes. Mm-hmm. We release them on Monday and Tuesday, something like that. But we'll talk it through. Yeah, we'll it this out. has been long enough. Awesome talking with you, though. Good luck in your drafts that are currently going on. And you and I will talk later in the week. Oh, yeah. Oh, before we go, actually, yes, um, yes. beat Justin Mason League coming up on Monday. And we're going to do a live Ooh. stream for that. So if you I follow there me on heckling. Twitter. Isn't it a Shark Tank, by the way? It is. It is an absolute. I don't know why I like antagonize <laughs> people, because um, it pretty it went from being like you know usually the 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 beat leagues are a bunch of people that follow your work, um, and so I, I, mean, I antagonize. These guys do follow your work. They just yeah. happen to also do a lot of work themselves. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be um, it's gonna be ugly. So let's see. Uh, I got I got a list somewhere. Someone tweeted it out. Uh, there's also been a million tweets about it today. Uh, so yes. Uh, so uh, Michael Alexander and Walter McMichael are sharing a team. Uh, Matt Modica and Vlad Sedler are sharing a team. Colin Weatherwax is in it. Ray Coon, um, draft sheet, and uh, Matt Davis are sharing a team. And then I believe there's all. Oh, John Fish uh, works oh, at Arbor Pro. And uh, Brian Knapp, who I believe also works at uh, Arbor Pro uh, as well. And then, I mean, just some, you know, and then some more uh, guys who are, who are just kind of uh, wanting to play along with all of us. Well, <laughs> but, and just because they don't have Twitters doesn't mean they're not that good, you know? Yeah, it went from a beat Justin Mason League to beat the crap out of Justin Mason League. Oh, my God. Jeff Erickson had the best comp for it it's like the rounders crew showing up at the taj if you've seen the movie mm-hmm. you know and that's a great comp for it you're fucked dude so that's cool. yeah it, yeah but we're gonna live stream it so like you can watch it it'll be live streamed uh, uh you can see it on my twitter account or on my youtube account uh we did this for the friends of fantasy benefits uh meq and that devolved uh very uh, very very quickly uh, it was like three hours of us just yelling at each other uh, and so I assume it'll be very similar. A lot of great characters, a lot of great analysts, um, and then Colin Weatherax. <laughs> All right, on that, we're gone. <laughs> Take care, Justin. Take easy.